0: This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter. At Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio.
1: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here. Happy Tuesday to you. The week before Christmas. Tis the week before Christmas. The lesser known song. Oh. Yeah.
2: I'm trying to think. Wait, is it?
1: Oh, it is. Today, by the way, is Go Caroling Day. (laughs) By the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Oh. And Natalie Cole. Holy cow. Natalie Cole with the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Can we do that? We can. It's the only thing we can do. We got her. We're killing it. Wow. Oh, this is the day when everything converges. (laughs) A relationship with the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. A Christmas queen like Natalie Cole. Who passed away. Passed away, darn it. What is happening? We're losing a lot of these iconic, beautiful humans. Go caroling day. Tonight, just know, at your door, there will be a lot of carolers. I don't know. I haven't seen a caroler for years. They better bring treats. Yeah. They better bring... Their treat is, is... caroling they bring the spirit of christmas yeah i think somebody brought a cold to my house um also by the way it's games day what kind of games do you enjoy board (laughs) games card games video games today's the day to celebrate all things games
2: is it bad to play hide and go seek with your kid and then not go find him yeah okay
1: yeah Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
2: find a different way to play that
1: so is that what we did last night?
2: <laughs> I'm like, let's play a game. Go hide. I'll come find you. Because there will be a day that you will you'll pay fifty bucks if he would just play a game with you. I know. Mm-hmm. He, he was particularly uh, unnerving last night. Really? Yeah. She's like, go hide. I'll come find you. It worked for a few minutes. Then then he tells his mom, and then she gets mad, and you know.
3: It looks like it's also his mom. <laughs> Wear a Your pink wife? and <laughs> black and gray tie to work day. Yeah, I'm dressed up today. I'm What's that speaking for? today on campus. Really?
1: Yeah. To whom? To the library. All of the employees at the library. Are you going to talk about the Dewey Decimal System? Mm-hmm. Nice. How we got to move on. We got to get a different system.
2: Whoa. Are, you, are you going to wax poetic about the card catalog? Yes. Mm. So you're going to rattle the cages.
1: Oh yeah. I'm going to press. I can just see their faces. Oh. <gasps> yeah. Nothing more fun than unnerving a bunch of librarians. Hmm? That's my job today. No, it's a Christmas party. Oh. So I'm just going to talk about relationships uh-huh. and how important they are.
3: For a Christmas party? Mm-hmm. Are there a lot of librarians falling in love and they shouldn't be? Oh, no, not that kind of relationship. Oh, I see. Oh. Uh, like working
1: together
2: Oh, to
1: okay. create the best results. It's going to be awesome.
2: So kind of mm, propaganda for the library?
1: No. Uh Proper growth and development of human relationships to perform and create more synergy together.
2: Who gave you the topic? They did. The library? Yeah. Are you going to talk like this? I'm going to have to. Yeah, it's in the library, (sighs) right?
1: No. Oh. It's somewhere else. Are
2: they going to close the library? Because all the librarians are going to be there.
1: That's a great question. No, because I think they have enough students that can staff the library. So again... Students yeah. aren't invited. This is, for, this is for the grown-ups. So it's
3: not going to be in the library, but <laughs> they just whisper everywhere they go. Yeah. There, you know what? It's going to be tons of fun. Here's the why.
1: Because I can't speak very loud without coughing. Mm. Yesterday, made a huge mistake. Huge mistake. You came into work? Yes. Oh. So I have a chest cold, as you all know. Mm. Deep, and deep chest cold. Deep, deep chest cold. And then like I... A lower GI, I mean... No, my GI is oh. not involved. It's go, not that kind go of cold. Sorry, but I um, I went. I had to. I shot this. I'm shooting this video tomorrow mm. about my new health regime <laughs> regimen I'm on or whatever we're calling it. It is a regime because it's my trainer's <laughs>
2: dictatorial. <Crazy>. Yes,
1: <clears throat> but you can't exercise with a chest cold.
2: Yes, Did you, you hear can. that. You certainly can. No, you can. Yeah, you can.
1: You you can't because I, I couldn't breathe, and now all everything that was in my lungs that was just sitting there fermenting, yeah, now wants to come
3: out.
2: Well, yeah, it, it helps to get things moving. Yeah.
3: So wait, they're
1: not going to provide
2: you
3: with supplemental oxygen? No. Hmm. They say they can't have somebody on their
1: treadmills and on oxygen. It, it makes all the other patrons look. I mean, get frustrated.
3: So. Whatever. Just pretend you're like Bane. How does Bane talk? Oh, that's Spencer that does it.
1: Spencer Linton. We'll have Bane... We'll have him do a, a little uh, Bane yeah. for us today. Hour number three. Just cover your mouth and... <laughs> Don't make me laugh. Because now I've got a productive chest cold. Mm. Before it was very unproductive. So we got a busy day today. We are going to be talking with an FBI... Uh, um,
2: very special agent
1: spokesperson he's Special a very agent special agent: And he's going to talk to us about the things to watch out for at Christmas because there's a lot of scams going on. Tis the season to be scammed, and we will go over the latest, the greatest scams with uh, Jim La Madrid from the Salt Lake office. Um, he's uh, with the F- Salt Lake City F- Cyber Task Force.
2: Yes, it's a big deal. Cyber.
1: Good stuff. We'll get to all that fun. But first, let's hit the headlines, find out what's going on around the rest of the
2: country. Thanks, Matt. Donald Trump has received 270 Electoral College votes officially securing the presidency. The Monday vote saw a few deviations from expected outcomes, with only a few electors voting against their state's popular vote. Four of Washington state's 12 electors refused to vote for Hillary Clinton, picking former Secretary of State Colin Powell and Native American activist Faith Spotted Eagle. Instead of the Democratic candidate, two of Texas's 38 electors refused to vote for Trump picking Ohio Governor John Kasich and former Repre- uh, Texas representative Ron Paul. One Clinton elector from Hawaii wrote in Bernie Sanders. three other Clinton electors tried to vote for someone else but the main elector uh, changed his vote when he was told he was breaking the law.
1: Mm, yeah, that'll
2: cost you. so it did,
1: it did cost a few of them like a thousand dollars it did fine.
2: New Orleans will pay $13.3 million uh, settlement to victims and families of victims in 17 police brutality cases the city announced on Monday. The city was slapped with a class action from 17 plaintiffs who alleged wrongful death or injury at the hands of city police. New Orleans police have also been charged in a series of civil rights abuses, killings, and cover-ups that occurred after Hurricane Katrina. At the Monday announcement, New Orleans Mayor Mitch Landrieu pledged change within the city's police department. We are going to change as a people, and we are going to change as a city because we chose to, he said. Hmm. China has returned the U.S. Navy underwater drone it seized in the South China Sea last week, bringing a peaceful end to a diplomatic spat between Beijing and Washington. In a statement early Tuesday, China's defense ministry said the vessel was transferred after days of, quote, friendly negotiations... China accused the U.S. Navy of spying with the drone, while the U.S. government says the drone was conducting underwater surveying activities. What were they surveying? Who knows? They were out there by those uh, fake islands that China is building. Weird. That's a weird thing to be surveying. Disputed areas. Also, in related news, the FAA has issued nearly twenty-three thousand drone pilot licenses in just three months. That's over three hundred new drone pilot certifications a day. Sheesh. So watch that's your, the new that's the new licensing out there. Watch, that is huge. Watch your friendly skies. And finally, a new survey by Public Policy Polling found that Donald Trump supporters take Christmas very, very seriously. The poll released Monday found that while just thirty-four percent of Americans think there is a quote war on Christmas, sixty percent of Trump voters are certain there is.
1: A war on Christmas. A war on Christmas. Like using the words Christmas instead of saying holidays. I mean, people say holidays.
2: Or Xmas. Yeah. or people just trying to make it so you don't say Christmas at all okay. or take out Christmas trees, all this stuff. Okay, huh. 60% of Trump supporters are certain there is a war on Christmas. Moreover, when asked whether they were more worried about the war on Christmas or the threat of a war on China, a war with China, 24% of Trump voters said Christmas was their chief concern. Hmm. Really? What do you I think? think. Why? Well, should, should you be concerned with international relations and those are the confrontations people that, or Christmas?
3: Well, they don't celebrate China, so but they celebrate Christmas.
4: Yeah.
2: It
3: just seems like,
1: I mean, we've had some horrendous news in the last 24 hours. We have. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a lot of wars.
2: There is. In other findings, the poll revealed that 31% of Americans still believe in Santa Claus. Oh, yeah. Well, 70% of voters are certain they're on Santa's nice list,
1: For
2: 30, sure. 35% of voters think President-elect Trump made the cut.
1: Yeah, 35% thought he he's on the good list.
2: 47% said Trump is probably on the naughty list. Yeah,
1: he's probably – I man. mean, and again, he can be president and not on the good list.
2: Well, it's not a requirement to be right. on Santa's good side.
1: There's been a lot of good, naughty people. <laughs> hmm. He just has to be 35. it He's got that, though, right? I think he's got that times two, hmm. which is good. Um, boy, t- tragedy. Uh, Russian ambassador shot, killed yep. in, Turkey. in Turkey. Violent, violent moment. Um, and now everyone's arguing about should they be showing the death of a man who's
2: assassinated? There was an AP photographer in the room. He took some photos before and after. Somebody had their cell phone up and recorded the entire event, and yeah. some news stations around the globe are just showing it uncut. And people are questioning whether you should show someone getting murdered. This is a human; they have a family.
5: Mm. You
2: know, why are we treating them differently than any other citizen? Yeah. It's just kind of an interesting question.
1: That is, it is an interesting question. What's the answer?
2: Probably don't show the video. Ah, oh, it's so hard though. That's news, right? That's or, or, the or news. They show it up to a point. Yeah. That's it. But uh, people are showing the video You just could show uncut. stills, right? You could yeah. have a still photo. And... Or, or there's like an initial yelling confrontation Ugh. and then you can stop it right there. But no, they show the whole thing. It is.
3: It's dramatic. Is the written word not vivid enough? Not anymore. For people?
1: Mm. No, these kids play. Uh, the What's your favorite
3: game?
2: Why are you looking at me? Candy Crush?
1: What's the, no, what's the game where you blow people up? I like Words Dr- with Friends. Call of Duty? Drive people over, yeah, Call of Duty and you drive over people.
3: Oh, that's Grand Theft Grand Auto. Grand Theft
1: Auto. And, I, mean, I like. once yeah. you've lived in that world, it's hard to go back to let's just read about it.
2: Marvel Lego superheroes. That's what I play. Really? I don't know what you're talking no, about. No, I don't think you do. Let's <laughs> see you play with your son. Yeah, I know.
1: When he's, when he's, when he's not hiding.
2: He's he's okay. The hiding Did he thing, ever come out of hiding? Yeah, he did. He finally figured it out, came back and he's like, "Hey, you're supposed to come find me." Dad, I'm like, "Oh, I forgot. I'm sorry."
1: Always come find me. That's sad.
2: Yeah, and yesterday we had the the um when another person driving a truck through yeah. crowded oh. public areas in Germany.
1: And a lot of this there the the Turkey Russia thing was kind of a it's about it's Syria. About Syria yeah. a, guy a
2: guy, said, "Remember Syria." Afterwards, mm-hmm. he screamed, and then the the driver in Turkey they're they're We're having a sure, problem yeah. because the chief of police in in Germany and in, in Berlin is saying they're not sure if they have the right guy.
1: Yeah, I'm did not, they not see him get out of the truck? I'm not sure. But uh, what a dozen or so eight uh, a dozen people killed,
2: killed, killed, many many more many, many forty more. something on people injured as this truck just drove through a Christmas market yeah. they had set up. See, uh, now, during the Macy's Day Parade, yeah, the city of New York put dump trucks full of sand on the cross streets.
1: Yeah, so no one could drive down. So no down. one could
2: do this because this is something that uh, ISIS has put out on on whatever websites they have, kind of instructions on how to do this kind of thing. Mm. Well, our prayers are with all of them.
1: <sighs> but you know what? Donald Trump's on it. What was the latest from Donald Trump? Any news that uh, we need to worry about? Any did he tweet? Did he did he tweet he anything? He put
2: some stuff out on Twitter about winning the as he keeps calling it a historic he electoral did election.
1: Now that's an interesting. It's not
2: historic. It's like the forty eighth. Yeah, yeah. You know when you come to the actual numbers, well, it's
1: historic it's, because no one believed Donald. Historic Trump. Historic was
2: George Washington was one hundred percent on the first election. That that's was pretty historic. amazing,
1: but he was he was bad to the bone. That guy. Uh, George Washington, he had his stuff together. Um, but it's also historic because I think Hillary Clinton um, had more people. We were everyone was worried about the Electoral College people turning against Trump, but Hillary Clinton had more people turn against her. She had people that were supposed to vote for her that
3: didn't vote for her. Did you see the SNL yeah. Hillary actually sketch that they did? No. So there's that scene in the movie like actually really where, early where the guy comes up to the girl's door and he has those cue cards with all the words on them. Yeah. She does that. She goes to an electoral representative's home and does that same thing trying to convince her to vote, vote. not not for her but for anyone like uh The Rock or A Rock. <laughs> Pretty good. You should check it out.
1: That's good. Check it out. Didn't, Saturday. Work, though. No. didn't Didn't work. Didn't work. Donald Trump is now, has the electoral college behind him, officially. President-elect uh, Donald Trump, 45. President, he's the 45th president of the United States. Crazy town. We will take a break. When we come back, we'll be talking with a spokesperson for the FBI about holiday, holiday scams, things to watch out for is the season when uh, not just the good and the, the nice come out, so too do the naughty come out. And they may be trying to scam you this season. We'll be right back, helping you maintain a little uh, control over your pocketbook. This is the Matt Townsend Show.
0: BYU Radio. Talk about good.
1: Well, the holiday season is a time for family laughter and for sharing. Unfortunately, many families also let their guard down during the season. How can we as consumers protect ourselves from scammers? Here to speak with us about holiday holiday scams and consumer protection is Supervisory Special Agent James LaMadrid of the FBI. Uh, Mr. LaMadrid has investigated both criminal and national securing intrusions, internet fraud, crimes against children, and uh, was on the FBI SWAT uh, team from 2010 to 2013, and was on the FBI Salt Lake City cyber task force since November of 2014. We appreciate you so much. Thank you uh, for being with us, Mr. Jim La Madrid. Thank you.
6: Good morning, Matt. Uh, thank you for having me on your show. I appreciate it.
1: You bet, Agent. Talk to me about Christmas. It seems like uh, it's not only the time to celebrate, to buy a lot of gifts, and you know, have fun shopping. But it also is the time that a lot of the, the unsavory criminals are coming out to take us for granted.
6: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is something that we deal with throughout the year when it comes to online scams, right? Internet fraud, those type of things. But especially during the holiday season where folks are lo- looking for the last-minute gift, you know, the last-minute online deal, uh, you know, with Black Friday after the holidays, everyone goes now online, right? We are very dependent on our smartphones. where We can just download an app and do one click to purchase an item you know, to get it home for you before the holidays. So Mm. that's one of the things we look at here. And what I'd like to share with you today, Matt, is about the online shopping scams on there. You know, if it looks too good to be true online, if you get an email coming from a potential e-commerce or retailer, it looks too good to be true for the price. It probably is too good to be true. And sometimes those requests or deals are kind of hidden with somebody, these cyber actors, we call them, or these subjects, these criminal syndicates trying to steal your personal identifiable information, which can range from your username and password to your email address, you know, to maybe logging on to your bank account, right? Because a lot Mm. of folks, you know, try to um, keep some information, sensitive information on their online accounts versus trying to keep that secure. So it's one thing we got to be aware of, uh, keeping your personal information, any type of sensitive information off the web. Or bad guys can't have access to that.
1: Yeah. Is that, it seems like that would be one of the telltale signs, is if I go looking for it, um, if because if I go looking for the Target website, I probably am more likely, am I not, to find it than if it comes looking for me.
6: Right. So a lot of these marketers out there now, they have this smart software, right, where if you're looking for a, a new jacket, Matt, and you just notice on your website on your browser that you're getting all these ads for jackets, Right. Right. So so there's legitimate, you know, marketing software out there and marketing teams that develop software to try and really target the consumer to make sure that they put the products that you're looking for in front of you, which is actually convenient for us. Right. It's the thing that we do like because it helps us kind of narrow our search, but also the bad guys utilize that as well. And what they can do is also inject, you know, some malicious ads on a website. You might click on an ad that you think is going to a legitimate website, but actually, unfortunately, may download some malware or some viruses on your computer, giving these bad guys access to your computer. So it's kind of like a, kind of a minefield in a way. You know, you've got to yeah. make sure where you step, you know, certain safe areas that you're familiar with. You know, retailers, uh, I like to recommend, and other cybersecurity experts like to recommend, you're going to type into the browser yourself the actual website. Yeah. You know, something that you know, as opposed to maybe receiving that in an email and clicking on that email link, because clicking on that email link in the content of an email, may again download some malware on your computer. Mm. So.
1: Well, and this is really important because we, we heard about the whole Hillary Clinton scandal, but John Podesta, her um, campaign chair, he also, he had he was hacked, but his hack came from receiving an email telling him he had to change his passwords, I believe, and then he went and changed his passwords, which is one of these tricks you're talking about, and gave... Gave new passwords, gave all of his information up, and then they could access it.
6: Right, and that's, that's one thing they talk about where you don't want to use the same password for all your accounts because once they have your password to your, say, Yahoo account, right, then they have the keys to the kingdom because you might utilize that for your Gmail account, maybe for your online banking account. So that's why it's, it's kind of wise to utilize that. Um, another thing that they have out there they recommend for good cyber hygiene is to utilize two-factor authentication mm. where essentially you've probably seen this, map yeah. where... You know, Yahoo or Gmail will ask you to, are you sure this is you logging in? We're going to send you a text message to your, to your phone. Typically, two-factor authentication is something that you have and something that you know, right? So something that you have would be your phone. Something that you know would be your password. So that would be a two-factor authentication type usage to thwart those type of attacks mm. to obtain your information like that. Um that's a, that's, a lot.
1: And, and, again, this is uh... – you're, it's funny, but there is a certain responsibility for us to be able to be online. It's so convenient. It's so easy. But you also have to be not smart enough, but diligent enough to change your passwords and to not just use one password. I mean, that's that's just – you call it hygiene. That's just a hygiene factor.
6: Exactly, and there's that uh, fine line between security and convenience that we always talk about. Um, you know, the more secure you are, the more steps you're going to have to take to protect yourself Right. We kind of uh, like they, when I do presentations in, in the air, we talk about it's kind of like having a car alarm. If your car alarm's on, your doors are locked, and you've got a car thief walking around the parking lot to see which car he's going to take. Which one are they going to go after? Yeah, the they're not important gonna... Because he's got the, you know, the, uh, the brand of the car alarm on the window or the one that's sitting up there with the, you know, the keys in the ignition are running and the doors open. <laughs> right.
1: So, so true. It is so true. What are some of the other holiday scams we need to be paying attention
6: to? Uh, One thing as well is uh, work-from-home scams. Again, this happens year-round, Matt, but, again, around this time of year when people are short for money to buy the the greatest Christmas gift for their loved one, uh, people try to find ways to make extra ends, right? So people, uh, like myself, you know, you post your resumes online on various websites uh, or it may be people uh, be sending these cold emails, sending out, say, hey, looks like, Matt, you'd be a great account executive. You've got a good reputation. You've got a good background. All you have to do is send us your resume. Mm. Um, you do a little job interview, and then we'll send you, say every every month we'll send you some money. All you have to do is keep ten percent of the the proceeds, and wire the rest overseas. Right? That sounds like a, it's a pretty easy gig. It's, you yeah. don't you have to leave. You don't have to go. You know, drive commute to an office. You can do it as part time, receiving funds and pushing overseas. Uh, we like to say it's not. It shouldn't pass the sniff test initially. Uh, if you're looking at something like that, again, it looks too good to be true. Uh, who are these people? Uh, these cyber actors are very sophisticated they 'll actually create legitimate websites online where you, as a new employee, can log into a portal, have your email accounts you know have access to human resources but it 's all it 's all a fraud uh, but all they want really for you to do is help money launder the money that 's been stolen illegally, like credit card fraud, uh, people taking over bank accounts. Mm. essentially, you have these people here, and this happens in Salt lake City. Um, Utah taught all over the nation where they're unwitting. We call them money mules, where they basically are pushing money around, uh, thinking it's legitimate business. But in all reality, they're actually laundering stolen funds. Wow! So that's one thing to be. Yeah, to really think about uh, is work from home scams that people fall victim to a lot.
1: Well, and, and so now all of a yeah, sudden sure. you're a money mill for organized crime in Russia. I mean, it's yeah, you, it's exactly. crazy what you could all of a sudden get sucked into, and. Yeah, I mean, that's just terrifying.
6: It is. And, and another scam that we do see as well, you know, these work-from-home scams, but also romance scams.
1: Yeah, okay, talk uh, about yeah. these. These are scary.
6: Yeah, so we actually had a, a case here in Salt Lake City where there was a older gentleman located here in Salt Lake City that was, you know, lonely, um, looking for, you know, um, a relationship online, and was talking to an individual who claimed to be uh, a female U.S. soldier stationed in the Middle East. Right. So this communication went back and forth for a couple of months. Um, You know, he's lonely. She's saying that she's lonely overseas. And all of a sudden um, she asked him to do a favor. And the favor was basically receive some computer hardware and smartphones, you know, worth in the thousands of dollars. And she basically asked this individual here in Utah to take that those products and mail them to another location here in the United States, which eventually was pushed overseas. So those reshipping frauds kind of start off. You know, romantic engagement relationship where someone, Mm. you know, is talking to somebody who they think they care about, and when that trust is built, that's when the cyber actors move in and say, "Hey, can you do me a favor? Can you get this money moved? Uh, Can you send money over here?" Uh, This this scam actually got to the point where the alleged female U.S. soldier uh, had uh, her commanding officer get involved, and again, this is all fraud. Oh wow! Uh, I mean, if you think about. You know, active duty military overseas, they're working hard. They're working on their fences. They're not going to have time to talk to somebody in the United States on reshipping product. Right. So, again, it doesn't pass the sniff test. Uh, But, again, some people, uh, I call it or we call it self-deception, where they're going to talk themselves into it being legitimate when it's not really legitimate. Mm.
1: I had a client. Tell me if you hear a lot of this. Um, I had a client that was kind of got catfished. Um, where someone was pretending to be someone online. They started texting them inappropriately. Uh, they then got in some really inappropriate, overly sexual content on, on texting back and forth. And then those people called them and said, Look, hey, we know you've got a wife, four kids or whatever, five kids, six kids, and you're doing all this stuff, and if you don't pay us money, we're going to show her what you've been doing. And then yeah, they— I mean, that and it, and I've heard that two or three times of people like, what what do we call that?
6: So that's called sextortion?
1: Sextortion.
6: Right. I mean, so there's extortion of that as well, but they utilize that sexual element involved. We've got people in a vulnerable situation, and they're going to claim to say, if you don't pay us $500, you know, we'll post these texts online. If there's maybe some risky photographs that's been shared back and forth, they'll also say, you know, we have access to your Facebook account and all your contacts. We'll put that online as well mm. or send. We have also access to your email accounts. Everybody in your contact list will send that information out. So, again, they use that scare tactic, you know, the 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 sexual element to extort money out of somebody to basically say we'll keep quiet. But, you know, even if you pay these individuals that money, uh, they're going to keep on coming back for more. Yeah,
1: it doesn't go than, away.
6: Right, right. So, again, that's just, you know, with any type of transaction, you want to make sure the person that you're talking to is trustworthy, that you know them. You know, meet, meet face-to-face if you can. A lot of these folks are hiding behind a keyboard in a, con- in a different continent, right? Mm. Uh, so that makes it very challenging there. How do you vet that?
5: Oh,
1: that's crazy. We're speaking with um, Supervisory Special Agent James LaMadrid of the FBI. He's walking us through all of the holiday scams we need to watch out for. When we come back, we're going to find out what we should do about it. What do we do if we get caught up in one of these scams? Do we, do we go to the FBI? I mean, you will be amazed at how underreported a lot of these scams are. And so we, we can't stop them without the information. More information on uh, cyber scams and holiday uh, crime prevention tips when we come back. Stick with us. This is The Matt Townsend Show, helping you live longer, love stronger, lead healthier, happier lives. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You ready for a little holiday shopping? How about a little holiday shopping crime scam? Let's not do that. Joining us on the phone today, uh, Supervisory Special Agent with the FBI, Jim La Madrid. Um, agent La Madrid was an, a SWAT agent, but also has been a managing the FBI Salt Lake City Cyber Task Force. For uh, two years now, and we're honored to have him on the phone to help us understand what we need to watch out for this holiday season. Agent La Madrid, thank you for being with us.
6: Sure, Matt. Yeah, thanks. Glad to be on the show again.
1: Um, are there when when we talk about this? It's a lot of us don't know what to do. So if we think we're being scammed, if we think there is a scam, do we contact the FBI? Who
6: do we contact? So there's a great resource that we have. So it's the uh, FBI Internet Crime Complaint Center. So it's www.I, the letter I the letter C the number 3.gov So again, ic3.gov. Mm. That provides public service announcements for folks to be aware of what's happening out there in the you know in the internet on the information highway when it comes to these these type of scams. So that's first place you can go to kind of get uh, your cyber IQ up to up to speed. Yeah, and uh, on learning what's happening if you are. Being targeted for a scam, if you are a victim of a scam that you lose money because of an online scam or because of a tech support scam or something that's out there, definitely go to IC3.gov because there is an online portal. It's been around since 2000, mm. and people can go online to the website there, Matt, and submit their complaints that's that great. we're able to look through. Yes.
1: Well, and that probably helps you to figure out what is going on.
6: Absolutely. Uh, on the website, too, there's a 2015 Internet Crime Report that people can look at as well to see what type of crimes out there. But it does give the FBI uh, the optic and visibility into what we're seeing. Now, again, not everybody is aware of that. Not everybody who are victims of fraud submit their complaints online. Right. Number one, they might be embarrassed of it. Number two, they don't know where to go. Um, so this is great that you're letting us put this on air that we can promote IC3.gov.
1: Yeah, we got to fix that. I, I, you know what? I've been doing this for 10 years now. Uh, the radio and I have I've never heard of ic3.gov. What is my deal? www.ic3.gov, and um, that you called it cyber IQ. Get their IQ up.
6: Exactly. Get your cybersecurity IQ up to understand what scams are out there, what you need to be lo- you know looking out for. Especially now we're so plugged into our smartphones. I mean, you can do shopping basically. You know. Um, just sitting down in your living room on your couch, you you know, leave your home anymore to do any type of shopping and they mail it right to your front porch, right?
1: So, by the way, I guess there's another scam, right? Sure. Uh, People taking stuff off your front porch. Anything we should do about that, anything we can do to pay better attention to that?
6: Yeah. One other option for that, Matt, is to have the item shipped to your workplace because typically, you know, people have day jobs Mm. or at their, you know, Monday through Friday, you can have it shipped to your workplace. Or if you have a neighbor that stays at home, coordinate with him or her to pull the product off your porch before you get home. Those are a couple of ways to, to handle that as well. Um,
1: and they'll, like, I mean, nowadays you can get contacted. You can be told when it's being delivered.
6: Absolutely, yes. Yes, some of those uh, e-commerce companies do notify you that to try and coordinate when you're near at home to get that night. Or you leave it at the post office where you can pick it up you know, uh, with one of the, you know, UPS or FedEx type delivery systems.
1: What do you think about all these new methods of paying electronically? Apple Pay, Google Wallet, um, and, you know, a lot of people are using Venmo, other methods of paying like that. Are there any things we need to watch out for when we're using our device as our our paying tool?
6: The only thing to really look out for, I mean, it's definitely another way to to make it convenient. Uh, It took me a while myself to go online banking. But now I don't know how I survive without yeah. online banking. So it's kind of one of those new technologies that's breaking into the market to utilize for convenience again. So, you yeah, know, with Apple Pay and those various type of online payments, uh, you know, that's where the users and the consumers have to look at their credit card payment statements regularly, um, you know, not wait every month, every other month to look at that to make sure nothing's happening, nothing's wrong. I mean, even, even with a credit card fraud prior to these, you know, sophisticated and, and, and uh, cutting-edge payment systems, even at point-of-sales, you know, retail stores, those could be utilized for, you know, credit card skimming,
5: mm. right? Yeah. So
6: even with these new technologies, it may be more difficult, it might be more secure, but we found out in law enforcement, unfortunately, uh, cyber criminals always find a way to try and exploit the payment system and steal our money. So again, the best way to do that is to ensure number one, you're going to a reputable, you know, retailer or a buyer. Uh, ensure that uh, you check your credit card and your account history regularly. And if anything's on there, dispute it with your financial institution immediately to try and not get charged and mm-hmm. lose money out on that. That's that's what you have to do for those.
1: The um, one of the things I heard, and I can't remember if it was in the article that we, that you were um, featured in, was the idea that pay especially close attention. To your credit card statements in the next not not even right now because they may not pink they may not ding your card right now they may wait till after the holidays to then start soaking you.
6: Right, exactly. Because when you again you may, might make a purchase with a new online retailer that you haven't used in the past, say that particular retailer online, you know their servers or whatever's housing your credit card information may have been breached, and the bad guys are able to take that information. You know your sixteen-digit credit card number, your expiration date the CCV number on the back and then monetize that weeks down the road, right? Because they won't get access to that immediately when the transaction takes place, but they might be able to get that after the fact. Another thing, too, we call a you know, low-tech type hack is dumpster diving when people don't shred their statements. Right. They just throw it in the trash and you've got the bad guys just looking through your trash. Again, we call that dumpster diving. That's a way that people, uh, these criminals can access your information and then conduct identity theft on your account and your your, uh, financial record. I mean,
1: And they'll do anything they can. And, um, uh, let's talk about social media something was mentioned in the article about how people are now using pictures that you 're posting on social media to garner more information, including even your barcodes on your tickets
6: oh right, yeah, so that was a feature there where it's happened in the past where you might have you know tickets to the symphony or maybe you know the Nutcracker or something like that, and you you take a picture of your uh tickets online and the bad guys can actually utilize the numbers on the barcode to recreate that actual ticket and then your ticket if you don't utilize it within time before the bad guy utilizes that ticket uh your ticket is basically just a piece of paper at that point so if you do take photographs of some you know ticket that you have for whatever shows or any events make sure you cover up that barcode man protect that
1: you wouldn't think that a barcode would be such a thing what, what other social media mistakes do you see us making
6: so, again, like uh, on social media where you've got, you know, Facebook is a, is a, one of the main ones you see. There might be some ads on there where people are uh, looking to purchase some items. They may click on an ad that's on the social media website. They may download some malware onto your computer. Uh, that's where it's incumbent upon the user to make sure their antivirus software is up to date, their anti-malware is up to date as well. And re- regarding their operating system, whether it be Microsoft Windows or Apple or Linux, that they keep that patched and updated as well. To make it again a hardened type target where the bad guys won't be able to access your information or steal your credentials, so it's just being kind of you know smart about what you click on before you go to down that road.
1: Yeah, is um, I'm sure just in your professional experience you've seen so much uh, go down in your many years. What what would you What are some of the craziest scams you've seen?
6: Uh, let's see the the work from home scams I mentioned earlier. Uh, as far as people receiving. Product in tens of thousand dollars ship right to their yeah. driveway. They have no idea what it is. I mean, like generators, uh down to machine parts.
1: Then you got to get rid of it anyway. You can't have a generator in your driveway.
6: <laughs> exactly. Got to so, move it. And, and people are just un unwise of, of what 's happening. they think it 's a legitimate part of their job that they 're a reshipper, but actually it 's stolen product again because the product is stolen from the manufacturer, mm. and the money that 's used to purchase that product is stolen from an individual or a business out there because their credit card information was you know stolen or compromised, so those are top of the crazy schemes that we 're seeing here you know in in Utah and throughout the nation unfortunately mm. um, that is crazy so,
1: and I especially a guy say, that needs yeah. a job
6: right exactly of course i mean they're, they're really um, targeting folks that you know who are looking for extra money or can't get a job you know, because of the economy or, or what have you and these people are again duped into thinking that their job is legitimate where they... I've heard stories where companies these fake companies, right, are doing interviews which takes days they're talking to multiple people you know like your first interview, they make mm-hmm. the first cut they go into the hiring manager and they have again these websites that they log into they have an account and it looks legitimate up and up i've seen it myself doing some of these interviews myself personally here in utah where it looks very sophisticated So so these bad guys uh... really put a lot of time and effort and they actually have you know programs and groups and people with special schools and uh... skills and roles to do these type of scams it's not just a one you know one person in a basement somewhere over in nigeria they've got uh... Uh, criminal element, sophisticated group working together
1: is is I guess the, the, this is we live in a different day and age. We we probably need to realize that and and really get our IQ up because this isn't going to go away, is it?
6: No, no, it's not, and, and uh, we're seeing it go a lot more online now because of it being unfortunately. Uh, an easier, we call it a tag vector, going online because everyone is so plugged into the information yeah. that way. One thing that people can do, Matt, during the holidays is to make sure when they're shopping online that they go to a secure website. So you can basically fu- figure that out where you have in the browser, you type in HTTPS and this is for secure. It's basically would encrypt the information coming from the buyer's computer out to the vendor computer or the server. So again, HTTPS displays a secure connection. Um, also, usually on the browser, you'll see a little uh, icon of a lock, and that also kind of indicate that is a secure connection. So a lot of companies are moving away from the HTTP, mm. you know, kind of open, plain text, not really secure method to the HTTP, as people realize now, especially it's the due diligence of the businesses to make sure that the transactions are kept safe, uh, otherwise, you know, they're facing a lawsuit of some sort, right, because of uh, a briefed information.
1: And so you should be able to, when you enter in the URL, it'll automatically pull up. So if I enter in www.target.com and it's the real Target website, they, they'll they let me, I can go look at it, but the minute I'm going to their behind the wall transaction to actually close the deal on Target, then they'll move me like to an HTTPS site, Right.
6: Correct. Yeah, because when it deals with it's financial secure. transactions, yeah, exactly. And 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 the the people that have kind of spearheaded that was the financial institutions, right? Because they live with you know online wire transfers and commerce businesses have seen that to do that as well to secure their consumers' data and information. So, yeah, you're right. When it comes to the you know going to your cart at the end of your purchase when you find all the things that you want, yeah, it should be a secure connection. And if you don't see a secure connection, I'd move on to a different website.
1: Yeah, because right. the, then, then it could be a mirrored site or it could be a million other things. It's So it should yeah. say, like, HTTPS. Sh, mine went into green color, and it was green color, and then it also had the lock on there. I guess that's a great way to know what's legitimate.
6: Exactly. And also, again, when you – yeah, so that's what HTTPS, but also if you go to your bank account, sometimes you may get – they call them email phishing, where they may think you have a uh, bank account with a particular bank, They may send you a link, and you click on that link, but it looks like an exact login Mm -hmm. to your bank account, Uh, but it's not. It's actually uh, a mirrored account, like you mentioned earlier, and you're going to put in your account because you may be asked to change your password, but all they're really doing is stealing your credentials, right? Yeah. Um, So now they have access to your account. And sometimes, like I mentioned earlier as well, with these email phishing accounts, you may download software or malware, we call it, which is a a keystroke logger. So if you can imagine somebody basically capturing everything you type into your computer – and imagine during the holiday season when you're logging into, you know, say, Amazon or your bank accounts or your email addresses during a 72-hour time period. They capture everything that you've typed into your computer, and then they can access anything that you have access to. Ugh. So Ugh. logger solver is very, yeah.
1: Do we need to worry to about – I hear every once in a while about um, the cameras, uh, scams around the cameras where they can turn your camera on your computer?
6: Absolutely, yeah. Um, tech support scams. So that's another one. Uh, I know KSL did an article about that about a year ago, where there was a mother at home uh, online with her children, and then a little window pops up saying, your computer's been infected uh, with a virus. Call this number. So the mother was sitting there with her infant. She calls the uh, 800 number. It's somebody overseas. Uh, the individual basically asks, okay, I can help you out with your, your your computer problem, but you need to give me remote access. right?" So yeah. the individual had access to the to the lady's laptop, and then turned on the camera and, alive. and she saw her and her child, and as soon as she saw that, she unplugged her computer and basically called law enforcement at that point. But that's that's a tech support scam. It's very prevalent. It happens a lot now uh, where they try to identify what type of opera, operating system you have, whether it be Microsoft or, again, you know, Apple or Mac, and they try to get money from you to say we're a cybersecurity company will help you with your virus, but all they are, again, is trying to steal money from you via the credit card payments, which is fraudulent because uh, there is no virus on your computer, or they just somehow spam you uh, and, and, and then try to social engineer you, which is basically trying to dupe you into giving you information to find out what type of operating system that you have. Uh, and these guys and gals are skilled in IT or cyber jargon, so they may say certain things that the average person is not aware of. So they're kind of scared and they're kind of, you know, scared into acting, into providing that information online. So tech support scam, something that we've seen here mm. um, happens all the time. Boy,
1: it doesn't end, does it? Hey, as we wrap up, we're, again, we're speaking with, uh, agent Jim LaMadrid. What would you say, agent, uh, if there's one thing, just one thing we could all do that would dramatically improve our likelihood of, of not being scammed? What's, what's the one thing that makes the biggest difference?
6: Again, just knowing what kind of type of scams are out there. So the various websites where we have that, FBI.gov, uh, provides information on what type of online scams that are out there so you're not duped into falling into that victim. So learn by other people's mistakes, essentially, yeah. is what to, how to, you can be secure for the holiday season. And then IC3.gov, go to that website as well to get the public service announcements. And they have information for you know, individual shoppers, also for businesses out there as well. Um, so a lot of resources online. The Federal Trade Commission also provides information out there for consumer protection, uh, and it's a way to get smart again, yeah. cyber savvy in that in those areas. Yeah, there,
1: man? pick up your game, get cyber savvy. Thank you so much, special uh, supervisory special agent James La Madrid of the FBI. Boy, thank you for being out there protecting us as well. You're doing great work, and um, it's not easy, I don't think, to be a member of the FBI or the police today. It's a lot of bad talk, but they're out there putting their lives at risk for you, folks. So. Appreciate uh, Agent La Madrid. We will take a break, come back, wrap up this hour, give you some more fun, some more tools, information to help live longer, love stronger, and lead healthier, happier lives. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. So, Christmas is not just about scams. I mean, there's other stuff going on, right? You don't hear about all the other good stories. Like what? Like Donald Trump meeting with Mr. Slim. I mean, that was... Carlos? Carlos Slim. That was nice of
2: Donald. It was. Especially when he... Carlos Slim is an investor in the New York Times. Yeah. At one point, Donald Trump accused Carlos Slim, who is a Mexican billionaire... Uh huh. That because he had invested in the New York Times, that's why the New York Times is going after they're him. They're so
1: anti-Trump.
2: They're anti-Trump because of the wall, because they have a Mexican investor. Right. No. And, and the the editorial board of the New York Times is like, no. That's I think not how that, this I think works. that really
1: is they people still don't understand what to do with Trump. You know, they just don't they don't get him. They don't get that he'll say one thing and do another thing.
2: Yeah, that's why his communications team needs to clarify. But instead they come out and they go you guys just take him too seriously. I'm like, yeah, the president elect says something. How are we supposed to take this?
1: Yeah, you guys take him way too literally. Um it's yeah. Did you hear about two-time Wimbledon champion Petra Kvitova?
2: Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. She
1: was attacked in her home. She was. I mean, it's it's not safe to go anywhere. And well, We hold on, hold hold on. What? It's not safe to go anywhere. You can't go online. Because people yes, will steal your stuff. Yes, you
2: can. Not everyone gets their identity stolen.
1: Can't well, go home. Can't go home. You can go
2: home. Not everyone gets their home broken into. And when it is, it's not necessarily can't drive like this. in your
1: car. People will break into your car, or you'll get
3: locked in your car.
1: I can't go to. And you you can't get locked get out. in the car like a mannequin, and I can't go to the gym without. Now you're just scaring everybody. Oh my heavens! And we're even out of time, so now we we're have to go time. to break, and we'll see what happens during break. But if we don't come back, it's because this world's crazy. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Do not despair. We'll be right back.
0: The Matt Townsend Show, your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at drmattshow. Call the show at one eight five five chat BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio.
1: Good morning, friends. Top of the Tuesday to you. Hope you're having a great day. We got a wonderful show for you. Holy cow! We will be talking to you about how your children know. Who's the boss? Who's the boss? Your kids at a very young age can discern who is in the power position.
3: <laughs>
1: Who's the boss?
5: <laughs>
3: you You singing Who's
1: the Boss? Is that what we're doing? Because we can't play the song. You're going to sing the song. Yes. Well, man, I don't
3: know the words, though. You've got a great voice.
2: Well, he has a voice.
1: Yeah. It's great.
2: I tell my kid who the boss is.
1: How'd that work for you?
2: He now knows mom's the boss.
5: Yeah.
1: Okay, so the good.
2: hierarchy is when mom's home, mom's the boss. When dad's home because of the lack of a mom, dad's hey. the boss.
1: And then I go... W- when mom's home and dad are... Uh, when you're both home, yeah.
3: mom is the boss. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, that's good.
3: Am yeah. I the boss if my kids tell me they love me more when I give them the things that they want? Apparently not. You're being worked. Mm. You Mm. are a boss, but you're being worked.
1: So, not very boss-like. You should be the one
2: working the kids. The trick, like Terry does. The trick question is: when mom and dad are gone, who's the boss?
1: Well, is the child alone?
2: Well, that's the trick. Is he's never alone. So I go, it's the babysitter, and he goes, oh, I thought it was me. No, it's never you. What you do, you hold that out though.
1: (laughs) No, but son, someday you will be the boss.
2: I don't want to get into the 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 weeds of when that happens because no, he, he you just say, like when you tomorrow get, you
1: know when you when you're when you're away at college you're the boss
2: my my kid grabs his plastic sword and shield and jumps on the couch and says i'm the boss I'm like, whoa hold on
1: you know what he Slow is the, he is the cutest 18 year old kid you've ever seen <laughs> just jumping on that couch still it's plastic sword he's five Is he five? He's five. He's a big five. Let's be real. He is. He's a very big five.
2: Hey, it's by the way, it's Go Caroling Day. Yeah. Are you caroling tonight? No. In fact, uh, for the next uh, solid week, even after Christmas, my wife is on. She gets to answer the door. Yeah, because the neighbors the neighbors show up and there's five people staring at you. What do you do? They don't know what to do. I don't.
1: What's the proper protocol? Jeff will know this because he's studied. Um,
5: <laughs> what is the caroling.
3: proper protocol when a group of carolers come to your home? Uh, do you let don't, them in? Don't focus your eyes for too long on any one person. Just keep your eyes moving. Um, focus on uh, something behind them. Yeah. So maybe it looks like you're making eye contact, but there's not that awkwardness of actually staring them in the eye. It is, <laughs> it's, it's so weird. It's a
1: kind of a weird moment because what if they want to do like
3: three numbers? And what if you're the only one home? Yeah, you clap and you start to say, "Oh, thank you. That was, that was great." And then they start singing uh, another one. Yeah.
1: Verse just, 2. Just
3: move that, on. Thank that, you.
1: That goes That's a long night. Yeah. But it seems like it should People have fun. It should be wonderful because there there's five of them singing to you or even better, maybe 20
3: just now, singing to you. It's different if you're going to like a retirement home oh, and it's beautiful. an audience. Yeah. And it's more of an event instead of just a stopping by. Yeah.
1: And what, I mean, do you.
2: It's just very awkward.
1: I guess it's inappropriate to take a call.
2: (laughs) Hold on. Hold on, you guys.
1: Can you just. I
2: really need to take this. Ah. Can I say no thank you and shut the door? Nope. We, gave, we wish you a thud. we gave it church
3: <laughs> by the way i 've been caroling to those old folk homes, and uh every once in a we while call them that anyway. sure we do retirement they uh, every once in a while they 'll request a song that we 're all looking at each other like uh, have you heard of that song i, don't, I have no idea yeah. what that is i 'm always worried that when i 'm in a retirement home, what if i require what if I request like some Puff Daddy song or some, you know, Eminem song.
2: And they're like, who is that? Yeah. What is he talking about? Yeah. Some person screams out, green sleeves. And you're like, what? Green what? Do you know Big Papa? (laughs) I like it when you call me Big Papa. I would love to see
1: you in a retirement center.
3: Like right now? No, I hope I can live that long. (laughs) Wow.
1: Because I would pay money to see him doing, like, funny voices. Yeah. He'll be the guy down the hall. Spits everyone, out his dentures on accident. Oh, Oops, yeah. sorry. <laughs> oh, you're looking for Jeff. He's the
2: guy that does the voice.
3: See, without my dentures, though, I could probably finally do Donald Duck. Mm. Yeah.
2: <coughs> the teeth are an, a, 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 what, a Donald Duck inhibitor.
1: So. I, I can't stop coughing.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, it's also
2: games day. Mm. Do you guys like...
1: Apparently... Playing a game, I just right rolled some snake eyes. My <laughs>
2: kid wants to play Monopoly all the time, really. That's good, yeah. It's a thinking game, he doesn't know how to play Monopoly, he doesn't
3: want to learn the Get rules. Him playing Rook that is the board game equivalent to the song that never ends, yeah, absolutely. And the neat thing is, but that's great, father son time.
2: Then he wants to cheat at Candyland. I'm mean, you can't cheat at Candyland. Come on,
1: hold on. You don't want him to cheat at Candyland, right. but you cheat at Hide and Go Seek.
2: I don't cheat. I just don't follow through. That's cheating. Cheating would be like peeking and finding out where he is. I just don't go find him.
3: Cheaters never prosper.
2: He has fun till he realizes I'm not coming till to like find six
3: him. hours later. And they don't live long either. Cheaters? They don't live long or prosper. That's great. Put that on a meme. Hmm. Let's
1: get to the headlines. Um find out what's coming up you know that we need to, there's a lot going on in the news we need Lots to know stuff. about so fill us in Terry what's going on
2: President Obama issued 78 pardons and 153 uh, 53 commutations of sentences on Monday bringing his eight year total to 148 pardons and 1168 comm, uh, commuting of sentences uh, Obama led his leads all his predecessors on presidential uh, reduction of sentences as of monday killing it he had reduced more sentences than any previous 11 presidents combined but obama has issued significantly fewer pardons than previously previous presidents trailing george w bush 189 and uh, what bill clinton had 396 pardons Bill Clinton really enjoyed that yeah, pardon. That seems like that was all in like a weekend. The rest of it is uh, reduction of sentences based on the uh, mandatory minimums. Yeah, that the were drug laws that were passed yeah. in the 80s. So that's what all this is. It's not like he's just That's good. In. I
3: mean, there's a lot of people that have been rotting. Well, and Bill Clinton has been on the receiving end of forgiveness a lot. So maybe he uh, feels <laughs> obligated
2: moving on north carolina lawmakers will meet this week to discuss the infamous hb2 law widely known as the bathroom bill which may have contributed to the republican governor pat mccrory's narrow election loss to governor-elect rory cooper the incoming governor said that legislators will meet on tuesday to discuss the measure and potentially repeal the bathroom law lawmakers uh, evidently have grown to understand the law's immense unpopularity and law and cause of financial loss for the state it is believed that uh, North Carolina lost over 400 million dollars in revenue because of that law. Wow. Moving on, a new study of public health records has discovered that 300 or 3,000 neighborhoods in America where children suffer from lead poisoning. The study led by uh, Reuters news agency found lead poisoning twice and even four times higher than what was seen in the recent contaminated water crisis in Flint, Michigan. Last year, 2,700 children in Philadelphia were found to have harmful levels of lead in their blood, levels that can cause irreversible brain damage, a lower IQ, and a lifelong learning and behavioral problems. All can be traced to lead paint. It is a common problem in places like Baltimore, Cleveland, and Milwaukee, where most inner-city housing was built before Congress banned lead paint in 1978. So that's a problem that's, that will continue to.
1: I know, and they're not able to go change it themselves. No. All your walls are lined with lead paint.
2: The whole building is. Yeah, sad. And finally, Merriam-Webster's Word of the Year hits the nail on the head when it comes to encapsulating 2016. The dictionary's pick unveiled on Monday. What is it? What is the is word it? surreal?
1: Oh, that's surreal.
2: Which the dictionary defines as marked by the intense irrational irrational reality of a dream. Or unbelievably f- or fantastic. Unbelievable or fantastic. It's surreal. It just seems like one of those years, says the one of the managing editors. Donald Trump's win was surreal. He says those searches for the word surged at several points in 2016. The biggest spike was on November 9th, the day after Donald Trump won the presidential election. Um, the word is surreal. I thought the word presidented. That was in a tweet over the weekend. Unprecedented.
3: Unprecedented. So this is people using the word surreal to describe Donald Trump's victory and then going and looking it up saying, oh, I better figure out what that word means before. I yeah. We get better it. Yeah. Before I use it.
2: <laughs> and then going, all oh, right, I got it right.
3: On the radio.
1: Yes. yes!
2: <laughs> by, by the way. it's Not so, a moron.
1: You, so you get the word of the year. That's one of the great things. Plus, you'll start getting the top 10 lists that come out before the new year. But there's a lot of great holiday benefits. One of our favorite is that we get some new sponsors on mm. the show. And uh, one of our top sponsors now is, um, the, is called Santa's Hotline. So whether your kids have been naughty or nice this season, you know, you got you to gotta figure it out. And uh, old St. Nick himself is now um, offering parents an opportunity to report their bad behaving children to a hotline. And then he can, you know, take action for the parents. So let's go to our new sponsor Santa's hotline.
3: I see you when you're sleeping. Hello.
7: This is Barbara Hertzfeld. I'm calling about Susie.
3: I know when you're awake.
7: I have been trying and trying to get her to behave, but nothing seems to be working. I was told you could help.
3: I know when you've been bad or good.
7: She won't eat a dinner. Her room's a disaster. And started calling me by my first name
3: so be good for goodness sake
7: so for christmas this year maybe you should just give her a lump of coal
3: are your kids being more naughty than nice then call santa's hotline that'll make them think twice we'll take all of your calls until the big day so the big guy knows whose gifts to throw away call us toll-free at 1-888-BAD-KIDS or log on to www.lumbofcold.com. Your kids may promise to be good and not whine, but until they do, please call Santa's hotline. Wow.
1: Great to have them on board. I mean, who could be more powerful right now than Santa? It's a seasonal buy, but yeah, it's yeah. good. But I mean, I am I know that we'll also have the Easter Bunny. hmm Right? right. Okay. I get and it.
3: Um,
2: we always have the tooth fairy drop in.
3: Yeah. You know, and it might seem mean, but these parents are actually performing a service. They're trying to help their kids grow
1: up in a healthy way.
3: Well, and they're trying to save Santa some time. Yeah. He's going to be a busy guy this year. Yeah. He's a very, very busy guy.
1: Uh, well, support Santa. Go to Santa's hotline. Hey, today, by the way... Um, it's not just we talked about last hour about a lot of the the illegal activities that take mm-hmm. place around um, the holidays, right? But there's there's some people that are trying to spread cheer, and then the cops come in and ruin it. Really? Yeah. So there's there's a group of people
3: that were arrested
1: because they were doing this mannequin challenge. Have you seen the mannequin challenge?
3: I have. Is that where they try to assemble a mannequin? Oh, it's the hardest thing in the world. Remember the last time you put the legs on backwards? That Mm -hmm. was horrible. Um, But the
1: mannequin challenge is where everybody's supposed to freeze, and then a camera person runs around and shows everybody frozen as if they're all mannequins. Okay. So in Alabama, the police said that two men have been arrested, and they were alerted because of an ill-advised mannequin challenge video. That were making that was making the rounds on Facebook. It was posted on November 9th. It had about eighty five thousand shares at the time. Where at least twenty two men were pointing at least nineteen guns at each other. Whoa! Yeah, not a good idea. No, and they were all pointing guns at each other outside of a home in Huntsville, Alabama. It appears to be uh, you know a scene of a mock drive by shooting. Because honestly, nothing funnier right than a mock drive by shooting right. <laughs> and on Tuesday, police said they searched the home, found two guns, an assault rifle. So they, in the video picture, I mean, they had 19 guns involved. Hmm. And a lot of these guys apparently, I mean, they had shotguns, they had ammunition, tactical vests. Some had marijuana hmm. that they were trying to sell. It was, a, it was a, really, they really went overboard.
2: Really in-depth, yeah. in Mannequin Challenge.
1: Well, several people then were recognized as convicted felons. Oh, right. So convicted felons can't have guns or drugs or marijuana (laughs) or be involved in a drive by. Yeah. So the police investigated. And the next thing you know, two men have now been arrested. Oops. But I think other things have been confiscated. Just some things.
2: They took their Girl Scout cookies. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So
3: Hmm. what? You
1: can't do a mannequin challenge
2: now without getting in trouble. you, You can just don't have a record and have guns. I mean, everyone else's mannequin challenge is like in the middle of a basketball game, or everyone's like talking, or, yeah. or maybe President you know, or Hillary Clinton. Yeah, she had one on her her, her jet. Yeah, was so, the was the old woman
3: mannequin from yesterday's story involved somehow?
2: No, this was a different. That was story. a different mannequin, and yeah, mm. that was more of a.
3: I hope she's okay.
1: She's well. She's recovering. Okay. A man left his mannequin in the car. Uh, an, an older looking mannequin. With an oxygen mask on that he uses for work and he left it in the car because he doesn't want to take it inside everywhere he goes. And the police mistook it for an old lady, and broke his window, you know. But she's all right. She's all right. She's recovering. She's actually recovering at. Uh, um, she's recovering
3: at the mannequin store. Mm, I hear they take good care of them there. Yeah, they do really nice hey uh, tragedy
1: Uh, whipped cream shortage is looming so if you're planning to serve some pie this holiday season you you might want to think again Um, a supply of canned whipped creams kept fluffy with nitrous oxide gas it's going to be leaner this year folks the manufacturers are warning everybody due to an industry-wide supply issue there is currently a shortage of some whipped topping, including Ready Whip. Laney Friedman, a representative of ConAgra Foods, said the makers of the popular Ready Whip uh, whipped cream said that because of an accident, there was a there was a bunch of different things. But one thing that one thing that caused a problem was two tank gas tankers that were carrying nitrous oxide and a holding tank exploded in a tragic accident um, at a loading dock in an, an air gas chemical plant in Florida, I believe deaths were even involved. Some people died in the accident, but because of that, there's no, there's going to be less. You know, you need the nice. <laughs> Jeff, stop. Jeff, man, can't even talk. His whole mouth is full.
3: I I just want to say that I first saw this. You foresaw what? I saw the the whipped cream shortage, so I went out and bought every can that I could get my hands on.
1: How many cans did you buy?
3: Uh, thousands. Wow. I saw the writing on the wall, uh, the whipped cream writing on the wall. Bought all, every every one I could get. So so are are you selling them? or Are you just keeping them for yourself? Well, I think it would be selfish to keep them for
1: myself. So, so yeah, I'll be sell selling them. them. How much? Because I do need one can at least. Can I get a can? How much? How much are you selling the can for now? Seventy-five. Seventy-five dollars. You're selling can. like a three dollar can of whipped cream for seventy-five
3: dollars. Oh, they're not three dollars. Seventy-five dollars. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's quite a markup. Hey, that's that is the coworker discount right there. It's usually a hundred dollars. So it's $100 for your non-friends. And uh, for every every bottle that you buy, I give you a free squirt. Wow. Like a sample.
5: Mm-hmm. Well,
3: uh, you know what? We'll have
1: pie. We'll have, I don't know, we'll have something else. No, well, enjoy that dry pie. You enjoy that dry pie. $100 for a can? It's not a Cabbage Patch doll. We'll take a break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about... Who's the boss? It's a pretty powerful uh, research about your children and how young they are when they can start to recognize who's in charge. Amazing insights about uh, your own children coming up next. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. Well, whether you uh, think it or not, research shows that kids are paying attention and they're soaking up all of the complexities of life as a social human. But 13 months uh, by 13 months of age, they have a pretty decent understanding of tense, complex social situations, making mental notes of who witnessed the offending incident, whether it was purposeful or accidental. And now some new research is also shedding some light on how kids learn about power dynamics in social situations, like who's in charge, who could get them in trouble here with us today is one of the authors of the study. uh, Dr. Celine Gulgos, a postdoctoral researcher at the university of Washington to walk us through some of her learnings. Uh, Dr. Gulgos, thank you so much for being with us today.
7: Thank you so much for having me.
1: What uh, this fascinated me because I mm-hmm. we wonder we wonder if these kids are smart enough and um, are picking up some of the just kind of the, the very subtle social cues. But according to your research, even as young as as 13 months of age, they're picking stuff up.
7: Uh, yeah. So actually that the research that you're referring to is actually research that was done by others at Harvard um, showing that even 13 month olds are aware of these power dynamics um, when it comes to picking up cues related to size, relative size. So in that particular research, um, they showed that even 13 month old babies can figure out that larger characters should be more powerful than smaller characters.
1: Interesting. Now, yours was a little different. Talk about what you did um Uh, to to work with the kids and, and to do the research on how they know who's in power and who's not.
7: Right, absolutely. So in my research, I was interested in how young children reason about their social world, so particularly how they come to understand that social structures like power shape our everyday interactions and relationships. So as adults, we have a pretty good understanding of what makes someone powerful, but we know very little about what children think. So those earlier studies with infants, we're showing that they were sensitive perhaps to um, some of the physical cues to power. But in our social world, power is so much more complex than that. We don't just um, look at people and decide on who's more powerful just by size. As adults, we have a lot more uh, ways in deciding who has more power.
1: I mean, so it, it's very- subtle, oh, isn't right. it? It's not always just the biggest right. body, there's subtle cues.
7: Right, definitely. So as adults, we can look at things like who has more access to resources or so by resources, I mean things like money or food or um, who has the ability to control other people's access to resources or other people's uh, ability to achieve their goals and so on. Um, we pay attention to things like prestige, so the ability to affect um, other people's decisions or their behaviors, the ability to set norms or give orders and so on. So we wanted to look at whether children as young as three could identify these different cues that adults seem to be very attuned to in deciding who's in charge in various social situations. Did it, Um,
1: by the way, because just as uh, for a little um, insight, this is... This is some pretty, it seems like, groundbreaking uh, research, is it? I mean, has, has there any been research, have, have they done research on social cues at this young of an age?
7: Um, so the developmental field looks at a number of different social cues that children might be attuned to at um, uh, ages as young as three and maybe even younger. Um, but surprisingly, even though power is so ubiquitous in our social relationships, very little research has been done on when children begin to understand social power, how they um, pick up on these cues. So, yeah, this was one of the first studies to look at children's attention to various cues to social power.
1: So what cues did you see? What do you see the kids tuning into that give them the cue that that person possesses power in this relationship?
7: Right, so we came up with five different dimensions of power to examine children's understanding in, and what I mean by dimensions is five different ways in which someone might exert power over others, or um, five different ways in which, as I mentioned as adults, we might be chewed to understand that someone has power over others. So we chose these dimensions because, as I mentioned, that adults have this sensitivity, and we wanted to see if kids also show the same sensitivity and the five dimensions were resource control so one's ability to access more resources or control others access to resources Um, goal achievement so the ability to achieve your goals before others or um, when they contract with other people's goals the third dimension we looked at was denying permission uh, giving orders and setting norms Hmm. so we recruited a bunch of three to eleven year old children and we what we did was we gave them short stories in which two characters were interacting over a specific uh, in a specific social circumstance and in each of the stories one of these dimensions were uh, manipulated so that one of the characters from an adult perspective at least was more powerful than the other one and we basically asked kids who's in charge to see if they had that same understanding adult like understanding of power
1: and What did you find out? What did you
7: learn? Um, We found that children as young as three years of age are actually pretty sensitive to social power in a lot of the different dimensions that we looked at. So specifically, um, they can easily identify that the person who holds more resources is the one who's in charge. They can uh, identify that the person who uh, achieves their goal is the one who's in charge, and the person who denies permission is the one in charge. But when it comes to the other two dimensions of giving orders and setting norms, we found that young children can have some trouble with those. So specifically speaking about um, setting norms, children um, did not seem to associate the person setting the norm with the one being in charge until about ages uh, five or six. And they did not associate readily associate giving orders with being in power or being in charge Mm. until ages seven or nine, which is really surprising um, given that children experience uh, orders a lot in their everyday life. So parents and teachers uh, frequently order their kids around. They tell them what to do. But despite that, surprisingly, it seems that children do not readily associate that with power.
1: It was, I loved um, the example you gave uh, of a vignette that you used to illustrate character setting social norms. Like, this is what you'd read, I guess, to the the children and then ask them questions. Diz was telling Fizz and their friends that red is the best color and that from now on, everyone should wear red. The next day, Fizz came to school wearing a red t shirt, just like the one Diz had been wearing. Fizz told Diz, Look at my red t shirt. So just from that simple statement, then they could discern, OK, Diz was apparently in power because she was telling or he or they were telling everybody what to do. And so the kids could discern it as young as three that whoever's, you know, got the resources, achieves goals and denies permission. The three year olds could get that. But were the three year olds able to get that Diz was in charge because she was giving orders? Right. So the three
7: year olds were actually not able, to not able to do that. that one right. Yep. That one was a little bit harder. Um, we saw that as young as five to six years old that they could figure out that Div was the one in charge because she set the norms, um, but younger kids had trouble with that.
1: Was that developmentally normal then, I guess? Is it, is it harder for them to understand uh, giving orders and setting norms until they're a little older? Do they need to develop more before they can understand that, or is it, is it just something else going on?
7: Right. So the our findings are actually uh, consistent with our expectations regarding developmental um, uh, trajectories. Basically, so we expected that children would have an easier time understanding uh, power relationships in the resource control and goal achievement situations because these are sorts of situations where um, in a sense, there's less that children need to represent. So I mean I can give you examples of someone having more resources or someone achieving their, their goals on their own without having to socially interact with others. Uh, but when it comes to things like permission, setting norms, or giving orders, uh, children have to be able to represent multiple people's intentions at the same time. So in other words, in the example of Diz and Fiz, a child not only has to keep track of what Diz is trying to do. So the fact that Diz likes red and thinks that red is the best color and that Diz is trying to intentionally affect other people's outcomes and then also represent that Fiz is a follower and Fiz is trying to be like Diz and Fiz is trying to do what Diz said is the best thing to do. Um, so there's a lot of different intentions and mental states that kids need to represent in those situations, mm. which makes it a little bit more complex. Um, so, yes, it's in yeah. line with our expectations that they, those would develop later. Yeah,
1: that's interesting. Let's take a break and come back. When we come back, again, we're speaking with Salen Gulgos, and she's wa- is walking us through some of her research about uh, how children understand social power across their developmental stages. Um, she's walking us through... Some of the insights, and I'd love to find out what we should do as parents. Do we want to be training up our children uh, more in these social power constructs? Do we want to guide them more on this? What advantage does uh, can we have if we could teach this to our children? Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. We'll be right back.
5: That everything
3: shines in a different way.
1: Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking with Dr. Salem Gulgos about some of her research on, um, with children, ages 3, I think, to uh, 11, and their ability to understand social power across their developmental stages, which is just a lot of you know academic speak for at what age does a child start to understand who's in charge, how they're in charge. Uh, Dr. Gulgos, thank you again for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You bet. Is this so um, do we I I mean, power is big in our world and is I guess socially there's an advantage to know who has the power, who's in charge. I mean, I see my children. I have six kids from 23 down to 12, and I see them going through these really weird social battles over who has more power. Sometimes the younger ones don't realize uh, that the older ones might have more power or think they have more power, and it becomes an interesting mm-hmm. developmental experiment in our family. What, what should we be doing as a parent to guide our kids through this? I'm sure a lot of it's natural. Do we want to be teaching them more about social power?
7: Mm-hmm. So as I mentioned, this is brand new research, and unfortunately we actually know very little about how children learn about these social power relationships. So this means that we also don't know too much yet about how parents contribute to their children's understanding of power. Mm. Uh, So one thing to point out is that the children in our study were from a very specific small college town, so children of similar backgrounds in terms of what their family structure might be like or um, what the larger social structure they live in might be like. So I think one interesting and important um, next direction for this sort of study would be to look at children from more diverse backgrounds to see if um, the hierarchical nature of the environment that they live in or the family that they're growing up in contributes to how early they can recognize power differences. So, for example, you could imagine a child uh, growing up in a more egalitarian family, gender egalitarian family, for example, or a more egalitarian democratic society, um, maybe learning about power differences at a later age than a child growing up in a more hierarchically structured family or um, a more hierarchically structured society. Yeah. Um, but these are all speculation at this point because we actually don't have concrete data. Right. Now, as you mentioned, um, evolutionary theorists do argue that it's adaptive, that we uh, are able to recognize power dynamics early on so that we are uh, at a young age attuned to the social structure in our own environment and so we can align ourselves with those who have more access to resources and it will um, guarantee our survival. So that's one theory that we should be learning these things early on because it actually helps our um, You know, it helps us survive uh, in our social world.
1: Yeah, it's I mean, I was raised with four women in my family. My parents had been divorced. And so, I mean, even that even just that difference of gender differences might I wonder if they might impact how you approach power, how you Take power, how you manage power, how you see power it's i mean it's a it's a pretty complex um little undertaking you're on, you're going into is it what what do you um what do you see just as parents that we should be doing i mean I guess part of it that's interesting, i thought it was just pointing it out like even your five i can't remember what you called them you distinguish the five um Uh, Yeah, the five dimensions of power. I thought that was fascinating to think of, okay, there's those that have resources, those that achieve goals, those that deny Mm -hmm. permission, those that give orders, and those that set the norms. Um, Even looking at some of that and having some conversations, not when they're too young, but as they get older.
7: Yeah, I mean, it seems like kids are picking these up regardless of whether parents uh, actually tell them anything about it, so I think what would be interesting is to see how they're picking it up. So oftentimes in this sort of uh, research, we find that parents don't necessarily directly and explicitly tell their kids about the social world, but instead the way that parents talk about their social world can... Uh, convey a lot of indirect meaning to kids. So parents can often uh, maybe not be aware of the types of sentences or the types of words that they're using um, and how these words might influence their children's beliefs. So my hunch would be, again, because we don't have direct evidence for this at this point, my hunch would be that um, parents are probably not saying anything about power directly, but right. indirectly behaving in ways or talking about these social situations in ways that to their kids imply um, these power structures that adults are aware of. And kids are just picking up on them mm. um, very easily. <laughs>
1: yeah, what I think it's, it's kind of heartening is the idea that uh, they're going to get it anyway. You know, they mm-hmm. there's just intuitive, natural developmental stages that they're going to get through and learn a lot of this so but uh boy just as a as a i don't know somebody that loves studying this anyway i think it's fascinating were there any results that surprised you in your study
7: um well one of the things that at first surprised us was uh we were actually expecting for the reasons i mentioned earlier uh, we were expecting the permission dimension to be harder for younger kids to understand because, again, they, they have to be representing multiple intentions and multiple mental states in on those uh, stories. So the permission dimension would be something like uh, one of the characters wanting to uh, play with a toy that the other character is playing with. Um, and asking for permission to do that, and the first character saying, no, you can't play with my mm. toy, basically. And so we found that even the youngest age groups, so even the three- and four-year-olds, were easily identifying the person denying permission as the powerful character or the character in charge. And this is actually pretty interesting, because, again, this is one of those complex situations where kids have to be representing multiple Um, perspectives. However, um, at the same time, you can think of how uh, common these permission situations are in children's early experiences. So, it might be that they're just gaining a whole bunch of experience with these sorts of situations early on, and that makes them realize what makes or how permission, denying permission, makes someone be in charge. Or you can also think of... um, So, The dimensions we have were to measure the breadth of children's concepts, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're completely independent of each other. So in those particular permission stories, we actually did have some resources, like I mentioned the toy. So it could also be that that those stories were kind of also tapping into children's concepts of resource control and how that might determine Mm. or how that might cue uh, who's in charge. So it's hard to tell yeah. It's hard to interpret why that was happening
1: Well, and that's the neat thing about research you're, you're just getting started Well, we appreciate it Dr. Selin Gulgos, keep up the great work there As a postdoctoral researcher At the University of Washington The more we learn, folks The more we can understand how to influence our kids And what's really going on developmentally Isn't it a beautiful, too, though How so many, we're just, they're just wired To learn, they're wired to learn the social world powerful. We will take a break. Come right back. Stick with us. When we come back, we're going to be talking about ways to serve during Christmas time with Caitlin Thomas. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you see and be the good in the world. A little taste of the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, our favorite musical source. Now, now, always.
3: It's so they. This is it hasn't been for just like a week. Then they've no, no, always. Been I have favorite. always loved okay. the Mormon Tabernacle right. Choir. It's just now easier to use their
6: sure
1: products. Joining us, though, um, you know, most often as we think about Christmas, we think about the gifts we're giving friends and family and how pretty you can wrap it all up and all the food and the yum-yum and the treats. We normally think about giving gifts to familiar faces, our friends, family members, our neighbors, but this year, Caitlin Thomas and her family have a different sort of Christmas experience. She's here this morning to share it with us, to help us feel a different I guess, a different way to approach the Christmas spirit. Yes. Caitlin, how are you?
8: Hi, good morning. Good I'm morning. so good. Good to have you here. I have a story to share.
1: What? A personal story.
8: Yes, a personal story that I just really wanted to talk about. And then we'll we'll kind of just expand on it.
1: I love it. Is because, it it's, a, it's about your
5: family. Yeah.
8: So my Thomas side of my family, my dad's side of the family, Normally we get together every Christmas and we pull names around Thanksgiving and yeah. you know then during Christmas we get together and we we exchange gifts. But this year I kind of through a friend who started an organization to help refugees. I was I had an idea and yeah. I said around like Halloween forever ago I said oh well what if we did Christmas for a refugee family I don't know that'd be cool. Didn't think about it anymore and then that's what my aunt decided to do so she organized the whole thing How and cool. So every family. So I guess all of my dad's siblings, like, they had a list of things that this family needed and things that they wanted, and we were supposed to sign up. And this for is a family
1: that has nothing.
8: Nothing. So this family, they're from Somalia, and they're living here in Utah now. They're on a whole family, but the dad's gone. So I'm yeah. assuming the dad passed away and all of the, the horrible stuff that's going on over there. But it was a mom, a grandma, and her three kids. Yeah. And yeah, they pretty much have nothing. They don't even speak very good English yet. So, that anyways, that's that's what we decided to do for Christmas. So you
1: brought everyone in.
8: Yeah. So everybody was supposed to go shopping for whatever. Brought everything on the list, right? And my my little brother's 15, and my mom really wanted to get him involved in this, you know, to help the teenage angst and stuff. And uh, so we signed up to get most of the gifts for the 15 year old boy because they're the same age. So we wanted to take him shopping. And so we bought everything that he needed. He needed clothes and shoes. He asked for milk.
5: Oh. The
8: the sweet kid asked for some milk. So we bought, you know, a couple gallons of milk for their family and... But we bought him clothes. My little brother picked out, you know, the coolest stuff from the van store and some new pair of Converse. And yeah. this really it was really – and my little brother was like, I want this stuff, <laughs> you know. like <laughs> That's how 15-year-olds – yeah. that was his needs. And then on his wants, you know, they could list things that they wanted. The kid asked for an Xbox. Um, and my little brother last Christmas got a brand-new Xbox One. Yeah. And he's only had it for a year. And uh, he saw that on the list and he was like, Mom – should I give him my Xbox One? Oh, my
5: heavens.
8: <laughs> so my little brother, the 15-year-old, who, by the way, doesn't have a smartphone, so it's not like he has any other way to play games. This is his he doesn't deal. Yeah, you know, my mom doesn't think he should have a smartphone or anything. Um, so for a 15-year-old, like, that was a big deal. Huge, huge, So he gave up. We wrapped up his Xbox One and all of his games. And then some of my other cousins who also have Xbox Ones heard that my brother was doing this, so they gave away some of their games. Yeah. And we wrapped it up. It was really hard for him. You know, that's a hard thing to do yeah. when you're that age, but it was good. Um, we wrapped it all up, all the clothes and everything. And when we went on Sunday, we all met together as a family for our Christmas party, and we brought all of our gifts. And we had, I mean, it was just stacked high how much stuff we'd got in this family. It was awesome. And then last night, my little sister and I helped drive up to where they were living to deliver the gifts so we got to meet the family. How
1: neat. Yeah. Were they just totally overwhelmed? Was everything wrapped?
8: Yeah, everything was wrapped and they don't celebrate Christmas. Yeah,
1: they're like, this is strange. And so,
8: you know, we were like, they can just open them. They're like, oh, we're going to open them today. Like, they don't have Christmas. But I think the wrapping paper, they were kind of just fascinated by the shiny and the bows. Yeah, neat. And, you know, they really didn't have much. Mm -mm. And the the Mm -mm. 15-year-old boy, Mm -mm. he spoke pretty good English because he learned it in school over there and he's in school here now. But... Um, so we got to talk to him a little bit, and we met the babies. They were so cute. Oh, But wow. it was just, it was really cool because, I mean, that was a lot of sacrifice for my little brother. Totally. He got to go up and...
1: Did you wrap the milk or did you just bring the milk in the house? We just brought the milk in <laughs> the, what the house. What did the boy okay. think when he sees two gallons of milk?
8: Yeah, he was excited. He said the babies really needed some milk, so, huh. yeah.
1: Unbelievable.
8: We took diapers. I mean, we made... But My aunt at, crocheted blankets.
1: But that's one awesome. family. That was probably like five families. The Thomas clan. Yeah. But look how easily you could take care of the basic needs of one refugee family.
8: Yeah, and it really—it it was, was very beautiful. And meeting them was awesome. And I was just—and I was—I was, I was driving home last night. I was talking. And I was like, you know what? This is—is is what I want to talk about with Matt tomorrow. That is ways to serve oh, on I Christmas. I is not what it's all about. Uh huh. And there's so many families in need. Yeah. And
1: and and by the way, and in fact, your family was changed by that probably more than even the other family, yeah, the refugee family,
8: for sure. And you know, for me, like I've lived in a third world country, so it was it wasn't as hard for me to to just accept that. But for my little brother, I don't think he'll ever forget that. No he way. gave way. Nobody asked him to give mm. up his Xbox. Right. He volunteered and he gave it up, and I think that that'll stick with him for a while. Plus,
1: now you're sharing it. And we're getting the same spirit.
8: Yeah, and it's just, it was so cool. And there are so many families like this in Utah and across the U.S. right mm-hmm. now that you can go through organizations to help.
1: Yeah. I think I, what I worry about now is your brother.
8: And what's because, he going to do? Well,
1: now what's he going to do? Because Idle Hands is the devil's workshop.
8: Well, Christmas is upon us, so I'm sure that Santa yeah, will bring keep something him. nice. Yeah,
1: Santa will hook him up. <laughs>
8: Santa will because is, he's on the nice list now. Oh, he but, totally
1: is. But does So, go? I mean, overall, what was his take? So if I have had him on the show today, what would he say?
8: You know, I think he would say it was really hard for him. Like the, the day before, he played it for 24 hours straight. He's like, I got to get all my play time in before I give it away. <laughs> but I think he realized, well, A, he realized that he doesn't need it. Yeah. You know, he's had a he has everything that he could possibly imagine at the tip of his fingers. And there's kids out there who, you know, have never had a chance to touch an Xbox controller in their life. And, you know, and so I think it does help bring into perspective his age, like what's important and what's not. But I just think it's that feeling of being able to give up something important for somebody else and realizing that you're still okay. Mm -hmm. You know, like you can do it and it's
5: possible.
1: Well, and And now you, too, it sounds like you've seen a whole different side of a refugee family. Yeah. They're not these horrible, evil terrorists no, that are here to they're destroy not. America. They're,
8: they were very sweet and very grateful. The grandma took one of the quilts that was crocheted because it was all colorful and wrapped herself up in it. And couldn't really say much, but she was just like, I love it. So she kept saying, oh, wow. I love it, I love it. And they're freezing. Yeah. They don't come from the—they're you know, no. cold here. And yeah, so they're from They're from was Africa,
1: Africa, East well, East Africa, Northeast yeah. Africa. She
8: was. It was really sweet. It it's was just beautiful. an awesome Christmas experience. What
1: a beautiful example. The Thomases. Jeff, are you taking notes? Are you going to do a Sub for Santa now? Or a...
8: There is. There's so many things we there's can so do, many. Sub for Santas. Sub for Santas. You can volunteer at the Meals on Wheels or at the food banks, uh-huh. those things. Get
1: down to the homeless shelters, um, serve.
8: Yeah, my sisters and I decided we're going to go through our closets and find all the clothes we don't wear, especially the coats we don't take wear. Take them to
1: Goodwill, yeah. Yeah,
8: we're taking them to the women's shelter because a lot of my clothes are professional interview clothes that they can yeah. wear to find a job. Um, I mean, you can even... There's... I'm sure your neighbors, there's always somebody out there who's unemployed yep. or struggling. Like, Help them out. My family, my little sister's getting ready to serve an LDS mission in February, and we got a surprise check on our doorstep from our neighbors though, cool. to help her out. Out of like,
3: nowhere. Now just, I feel lame. Awesome. I delivered a plate of cookies last night. That was good.
8: Cookies are good though, but see, you that can involve, really you. did your kids help you make the cookies?
3: Um, they stared at my wife as she frosted them. And they okay. were salivating. That's yeah, good.
8: But see, but even at a young age, you can you know, help them make cookies. We used to do the little, it was a little star that you would, you'd have in your room and you'd have to go serve someone in the house. And yeah. when you left the star there and then so the star went around to different people. Ah, that's so me. as little kids, we were learning how to serve each other, making the bed and small things like that around Christmas.
1: Caitlin Thomas, you did it again. Thank your family. Thank your brother for his sacrifice. Tell him he just changed a bunch of lives.
8: Merry Christmas. Merry
1: Christmas to you, Caitlin. Great story, folks. Good spirit. That's the spirit. That's the light we share. We'll take a break. Come back. One more hour of the fun right here on The Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us.
0: This is The Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter. At Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning,
1: friends. Happy Tuesday to you. Tis the week before Christmas. And all through the house,
2: not a creature is stirring. Not even a mouse. So my kid does all the advent calendars? Yeah. How many do you have? I think there's three in the house right now that are active. Wow. Runs around the chocolate house. chocolate chocolate-filled ones? Yes. There's Ooh. one with chocolate hanging on the wall. And then there's... Uh, there's a couple other ones and and every day he's he wakes up and he walks over and does this one goes over here moves a couple next, beads and then the he gets a piece one. of chocolate and that's what he does for the entire month of December so oh, yesterday he was, was ecstatic because there's only six days do you remember the excitement five. of this whole thing
1: this is huge for a little kid
2: yeah it, it seemed like the longest month
1: oh yeah yeah and then when but he's he's already out of school too right
2: um I think he's got two more days I think he's out on Thursday okay but oh. Thursday's like two hours, so it doesn't really count. But. You yeah, but have two hours for a little kid? Yeah.
1: That's a lifetime.
2: I have a Christmas program to attend tomorrow.
1: Oh, those are fun. Yeah.
2: yeah. He keeps telling me, I'm going to wear reindeer antlers or something.
1: Oh, cute. I'm like, aw. Oh. oh, the joy of parenting, folks. Isn't it great? We, uh, we got a great show for you. Um, this is an important day. This is Go Caroling Day. Mm-hmm. Today's the day. Or a word of warning or a word of warning turn your lights off shut no, no. shut your doors just have somebody people are coming else caroling. so
2: let somebody else answer the door and
1: if you are stuck not stuck stuck sounds like a negative word if you have mm-hmm. the privilege of standing there in front of 10 people singing held hostage yes there are some rules that we've we're making up as we go what what's your first rule Jeff
3: whenever you're standing there in front of a caroling group and you're all alone cuz no one else is home don't stare at any one person for too long. Don't don't look them in the eye. And if you can't look them in the eye, just focus on some object behind the person so it looks like you're staring at them. That is an awkward moment. We've got to be very real. Yep. It's pretty awkward for the singers, too, like yeah. because there's less of you than there are of them. Are you supposed to invite
2: so, them in? Yeah, some people invite them in, make them hot chocolate. I mean, nah. There's a lot of effort and work there for someone who knocked on my door.
1: Yeah, I assume they got to keep moving
2: you need to call ahead i need to clean up the front room Come is on. it
1: is it inappropriate to all i do is i just kind of peek through the door i don't ever really open it i just peek through that it would is be that inappropriate my
2: my rule of thumb would be somehow look out a window peephole, whatever you're do make sure find out who's out there if there's a gaggle of people a gaggle a gaggle okay you might want to then just sort of think how committed are you to opening this door that's a good point
3: you know, and another option, if you don't want to go with the tradition of standing on somebody's doorstep and singing, just sing from behind the bushes. That's a great point. With a pair of magnifying glasses. but Or not magnifying, or binoculars.
2: But isn't that stalking? I think that's illegal. Not if you bring cookies. Even better, okay. if you feel like you want to carol somebody, record it, post it to YouTube, and then email them the link. Oh, and email caroling. That's yeah. a great way to
3: do it, too. And if you, if you want to go the other way and be even more awkward, oh. just give them the love actually treatment and stand there with the, the cue cards and put mm. them down one at a time and have them read a really, okay. really long message. Or maybe the lyrics to the carol.
1: Mm. Wow, you guys have thought this through. Yeah. Mine's um, all
3: about avoidance. Yours is about avoidance. Yeah. Yours is about
1: how to make it... Tolerable. Tolerable. <laughs> even a little annoying. Isn't that right, Jeff? Uh, I just suggest you answer the door in your robe. Nobody wants to sing to someone in their robe.
2: (laughs) So just make it awkward all around. Yeah. All right.
1: Super good news. It's also game day. Today's the day, too. You can play a game, a video game if you have them, Mm. board games if you're into them, or like you like to do, tease your son, get him to go hide, and then never go find him.
2: Yeah. Just play the hide part of hide and seek. Hide and seek. Yeah. I think they call
1: that the heightening of anxiety. And
2: then say, oh, I looked for you, but I just couldn't find you. You hid really well. Man, you hid well. So then you compliment and the kid feels, you know.
3: I think they also call that uh, the beginning of a psychological trauma. Mm-hmm. We call it breakdown. No, it's fine. The beginning of the breakdown. Today, by the way, we're going to be talking
1: about how to stay healthy through the holidays. Who better to do that than our, our what do we call, um, our evangelist, our health evangelist.
3: Mm. Up until recently. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What do you mean? Well, yeah, I got you.
1: Dr. Ron Hager will be joining us. And I've got a bone to pick with him because. Is it a femur? No, Hmm. Uh, it's my lung bone. A lung bone. Interesting. Because my lungs, after trying to exercise, have been destroyed. Hmm. You say it's I'm working the cough out. Yeah. You need to do more. You're you're not pushing it far enough. My physician says I'm actually creating pneumonia. Difference of opinion. And I I think he called it exercising pneumonia. No such thing. It's like walking pneumonia, but it's with an exercise. Okay. Well. (sighs) I was fine. I I sure I had a tight chest and I could, I would cough every time I would exert. But now when I started exerting in by exercising, now I cough uncontrollably. Hmm. And I want Dr. Ron to fix it. We'll see if he can. It's not a dirty word, folks. Exercise. It's not dirty. But it will kill you we'll get to that fun. If you let it. With
2: Dr. Ron Hager. All that ahead, but first to the headlines. Terry, what's going on uh, that we need to be worried about? Thanks, Matt. After waiting 10 months for a hearing on his Supreme Court nomination, Merrick Garland seems to be giving up hope. BuzzFeed News reports Monday that Garland planned to, plans to head back to his old job in January and resume hearing cases at the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit. Garland has been on hiatus from his role as Chief Judge of the D.C. Circuit since President Obama nominated him in March to fill the late Justice Antonin Scalia's seat BuzzFeed noted it was up to Garland to decide when to start hearing cases again indicating that he understands that his Supreme Court nomination fight is over it's about time yeah <laughs> he's just waiting you know yeah. there
1: might have been a recess Can't you just see him like sitting on the chair outside President Obama's office for six months eight months however long it's are been are we him. doing it now? How, no did, did, you, now. did you guys say something?
2: <laughs> Uh, President-elect Donald Trump has added another billionaire to his team. Oh, good. Trump announced Monday that he would nominate Vincent Viola, a billionaire owner of the Florida Panthers hockey team, to serve as the secretary of the Army. Wow. His business experience, this is a quote from uh, Trump's team, it says, Viola's business experience makes him well-positioned to help guide a Fortune 10-size company, the U.S. Army. Mm, That's true. So what do you think? Sure. U.S. Army, we're going to go ahead and hire the billionaire owner of a hockey team who's made his money in finance. Well,
1: he can't hire a general. He's hired too many generals. Right. He's going through each and every one of the sports. So what he's doing is he's having the generals run the kind of the intelligence stuff, and he's having the billionaires
2: run now the Army. Now, this is what I thought. Yeah. Till I read further, says Viola graduated from West Point in 1977. He was a big donor to the Academy's Combating Terrorism Center, which was established after the 9/11 terrorist attacks. He was also involved in producing a textbook about battle strategy. Oh, there you go. So he may have some standing. He's got He graduated from West Point. So. That's
1: good. That's yeah. good. I'll
2: Risk say. battle strategy like the board game? Could be. Could huh? be. I think it's different. Officials in President Obama's administration plan to tell Congress of his intention to transfer 17 or 18 of the final 59 detainees still held in prison at Guantanamo Bay, according to the New York Times. People in that group will go to uh, Oman, Italy, Saudi Arabia, and the United Arab Emirates Obama will likely fail to achieve his campaign promise of emptying and closing the entire prison. About mm. 178 prisoners have so far been released under his presidency. President-elect Donald Trump has said he will keep the detention center open and, quote, loaded up with some bad dudes. Oh, That, so was, he, that was pre-election, though, so those well, things I seem to be I heard he was going to be
1: opening a new Mar-a-Lago in yeah. Guantanamo.
2: Mar-a-Lago South.
1: Guatana- Mar-a-Guantanamo.
2: Mar-a-Guantanamo. Yeah, I don't know. And finally, did you ever watch uh, what is it? All in the Family?
1: Yes. Did you Archie. Like,
2: did you like that show?
1: Well, yeah, because it taught me as a child that you can't be a racist old curmudgeon.
2: That was the main character. Yeah, a racist. I've, I've seen his uh, his chair at the Smithsonian.
1: Yeah, pretty neat.
2: I walked in and went, "Look, there's a racist chair."
1: And Edith. I mean, there was. I learned a lot of life lessons on that show as a child. They're going to remake that show. Really. Yes. Reboot, All in the Family. Wow. That's going to be... Huh. That's going to be really... Because we seem to be a little more politically correct today. Yeah, I'm not
2: sure how you do that show.
1: It'll well, be on Netflix. But I mean, I guess like Ned Bundy... What was his name? Ned?
2: Al Bundy. Al
1: Bundy. Ned.
2: You're trying to go Ted Bundy.
1: That's yeah, a different Bundy. I was trying to be a nicer Ted Bundy. <laughs> yes. But Al
3: Bundy was kind of a racist he was more of a misogynist I
1: think. yeah that's yeah. probably that's a better one
2: yeah yeah so well this is gonna be interesting all in the family will be on netflix sony has announced that it's working on tv miniseries remaking a number of classic norman lear yeah. tv shows so we could get the jeffersons the jeffersons good times oh cool all in the family the plans for uh one day at a time will actually be remade on netflix it's still in the very early stages, according That's to a Variety, but they're remaking these old 70 TV sitcom type shows.
3: Which one is One Day at a Time? Sounds like a soap opera.
2: Isn't that the one with, um, what's his name? He's that janitor. It was a mom and two. Yeah, yeah. I f-
1: you don't have to make as much noise as your paper <laughs> <I keep> hitting <laughs> the table
2: and wagging. What's the guy? I for- yeah. Ah, I forget his name. But there was a, yeah, there was like a building maintenance supervisor a, yeah, guy. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. And a mom and two girls. It's a, it's a show. You know what I am glad they're not
1: bringing back is Three's Company. Well, yeah. We've already got, I mean, that's, we've already got Kardashians. Plus, similar. you can't do it without John Ritter. Oh, totally true. That guy. Again, another, see, we keep talking about all these people that have passed. Um, today, by the way, uh, again, how do we talk about it? Another police story. I try not to bring up police stories around the holidays. We've talked to an FBI agent today about all the scams. We've talked about people losing their houses. Uh, By the way, one story about a police officer that I just got to share with you because it's super funny is uh, the police are now seeking a sheepish suspect for assaulting an officer. They have video of a police officer in, I guess, somebody's yard as he was cutting through the yard to – stop some other criminal I guess and there's video of a sheep attacking him just came right up and butted him and next thing to know the guy's the cops on the back of the sheep and it's all fun and games until someone gets hurt um, a man accused in Jacksonville Florida 23 year old man was arrested Tuesday after police said he stole Jacksonville Sheriff officer uh, an officer's cruiser and then he called the police saying that he saw the car being stolen what According to the arrest report, Officer J.R. Livingood's cruiser was stolen from a grocery store while Livingood was inside responding to a shoplifting complaint. Not long after, Plains called police to say he'd seen the car being stolen outside an apartment. This person called into the police and said he witnessed the theft. More than likely, he's just trying to throw police off his trail. So if he can actually, so he said he actually saw it, then maybe he's thinking they won't come look for him anymore. Hmm. See. But crime doesn't pay, my friends. And in fact, officers found the cruiser parked between two buildings at the complex at Palm Lake Drive, just uh, half a mile from the food store. They found the set of keys and the driver's side floorboard, and uh, they then went and arrested our good friend for reporting it. He left his keys in the cop car. How many Hmm. times have we talked about securing your cruiser? Come on, officers. What do you think's going on? Terry, anything else we've got to worry about before we bring Dr. Ron in to talk about my lung problem? You're a Diet Coke fan.
2: Yeah. Apparently, Pepsi would Who? be something you don't partake of. No. But uh, Pepsi is trying to make healthy food. What? Yes, but nobody wants it.
1: Pepsi owns KFC also, don't they? And they also own Frito-Lay and they also own Taco
2: Bell. I think they're all from the same company. I think they're all owned by a parent company. Yeah, so yeah. Pe- PepsiCo isn't just a sugary drink brand, even if the company name doesn't doesn't immediately make you think of one that's uh, not Coke, I guess. In addition to uh, slinging soda tea, Gatorade, the company also owns Frito-Lay, Quaker, and Tostitos lines of snack mm. chips. And while they're trying to cut back on the chips and flavor of lighter options, the Wall Street Journal reports consumers – Just aren't having it. The company's recent showing at a trade show in Atlanta made crystal clear the two directions the company is being pulled at once. Um, At one hand, offering Quaker oatmeal, naked juice, and uh, Sabra hummus. Mm, Oh, that's good. Right? On the other hand, the real money makers are Doritos and Cheetos. But Doritos with hummus? No. Bada boom, bada bing. they're trying to push... Healthier options, but what people buy at vast volumes is Doritos and Cheetos, along with the soda.
3: Mm. Have you had Cheetos? Have you had Fritos? Mm -hmm. Amazing. Incredible. Manna from heaven. Mm.
2: So they've gone so far as to set up healthy-only options vending machines. So everything in there is, quote, healthy. Okay. Unless you're Doctor Hager, then it's probably going to be criticized because it's full of sugar. No, but it's not. Because it's what he says all eat. the times. All full of sugar. He eats stuff. He, <laughs> he eats food.
3: He's in the room right now. Oh,
2: oh, is that sorry, him? sorry. Yes. Um, so the, the idea is they're, they're like they're they're going to launch an organic Gatorade. What? I don't know how you can make Gatorade organic since it's not really from something natural to begin with. Well, the gators were raised in a natural environment. Yeah, yeah, that's point. They've created designer salt that the company believes can provide the same amount of flavor with less sodium and waste. However, these are gestures, by and large, and not exactly making the company money as Doritos make for them.
1: But you have to love the company that's trying to find... To, yeah. they're trying to you know, differentiate their product line to be healthier, but people aren't buying it
2: yet. Everybody goes, yeah, that's great, and then they eat their Cheetos.
1: But we buy – You have you bought Sa- the Sabra brand
2: hummus? I think my wife has. It's I, great. See, hummus to me, it's too close to the word pumice, which is the stone you rub on your feet, and so it just turns me off. Well,
1: don't call it hummus. Call it
2: – I've already done that. Yum, yum. no. But doesn't the
3: tobacco industry also donate quite a bit of money to yeah. anti-tobacco? Sure, they've lost organizations? a lot of lawsuits, and they right. have to do that. Yes, but here's the deal:
1: <laughs> these it's it's like we had on the show the company, the coal mining companies that are also investing in other types of
2: electricity.
1: Hmm. They have to to stay afloat. It's it's how they create. balance the final and the yang
2: the final thought here Frito-Lay's North American snacks generated 52 percent of PepsiCo's profits last year wow in short you may say that you're switching to kale chips swearing off salt and staying away from the junk food but the numbers are telling a different story no
3: you're lying you know the real question is though with this new push to be healthier are the Cheetos still going to be flammable I think... They'll be flammable and organic. That's always the ultimate test. If the Cheeto
1: lights up, then you know you ought not be eating it. Don't eat anything that's flammable, like that could burn for hours. We will take a break. When we come back, Dr. Ron Hager will be joining us. He's the the health evangelist. He's going to give us what we need to know to make it through this season in a healthy way. Plus, after Ron, we'll be talking with our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation, who will be joining us from... San Diego, California, getting ready for the big bowl game. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends. When you hear that music, you know. That the health evangelist is with us. Dr. Ron Hager joins us. He's uh, Associate Professor of Exercise Sciences in the College of Life Sciences here at Brigham Young University. He is the death, uh, what do we used to call you? The death. Preventer. Preventer. <laughs> he prevents death, and he's really close to having to prevent mine. Uh, Dr. Ron, thanks for being with us. You're welcome. It's good to be here. I've had again. a two-week cold, Yeah, <laughs> and it just got worse because I exercise. Ron? <laughs> And now you're and you're going to tell us today that we need to exercise, which we do, but sure. how do I exercise when I'm sick? Well, you need to eat too, but that doesn't oh, yeah.
9: mean you need That's to true. eat all the time. That's true, good point. You need to sleep, but you don't need to sleep all the time.
1: See, we just need to do it when we can do it yeah
9: yeah there are there are times I mean, Matt, your body needs to rest uh, if your immune system is you know going full force, trying to make you better. It's taking a lot of energy. It's taking a lot of, uh, I guess, your your body's resources. I suppose you could say, and yeah. you know, exercise is also a demand on your body's resources to some extent. And um, I, I have talked to some physicians, and uh, a couple of them have told me that, you know, if you feel sick, if you feel like you have a cold or an illness, that if the symptoms are above your shoulders, yeah. That it's okay to exercise.
1: Head cold, sore throat.
9: But if the symptoms are below your shoulders, you know, feeling tightness in your chest Mm -hmm. or your lungs or general body aches, you know, kind of like flu symptoms. Right. It's probably best to hold off off, for a few days. Let your body rest
1: and heal. Because Uh, you want to – this is what I worry about because I know I can create a habit pretty easily and stick to it easily for two months. Yeah, sure. Then yeah. I'll get sick yeah. or something will happen and I'm afraid that if it changes, then I won't get back to the habit. Oh, but what if I don't get back? Well, you know,
9: that, that that happens to a lot of people for sure. I mean it, it happens to me. I remember when I was working on a master's degree, I had a couple of friends and we used to work out five days a week. Mm. And that included lifting weights. That included running. Uh, cycling. We used to, uh, you know, do a lot of mountain biking and and different things, and even swimming. Uh, there was a time when I was swimming a lot. That's I, such a great I, and doing doing all of this every week.
5: Mm-hmm.
9: And then I went on to a different school to further my education. And lost it all. Lost all that, the habits. All that disappeared because yeah. you know it was a pattern that I'd set with a couple other people, mm-hmm. and the circumstances, the situation, the environment, it all changed and and I didn't I didn't
1: persist. Do you suggest that we do I mean I guess if you're social doing it with other people makes it so much easier. Sure. But yeah. like I don't even want to be dependent on having to do it at a gym. Yeah. So one of my my regimen I'm trying to create is more about anything I can do in my own house. Yeah, I think that's a good idea.
9: The, the key, I guess, for most people is to find something that works yeah. for them and um, figuring out a way to be accountable.
5: Yeah, that's the key. You huh? know,
9: feeling a sense of accountability, um, you know, for a lot of people that is, it does involve some kind of social interaction. You know, well, so-and-so is going to show up at yeah. the gym at 6.30 in the morning and if I don't go, you know, they're going to, you know, they're going to be there, but I won't, you know, so you feel this kind
1: of accountability. Yeah, like I have this coach, Mindy Paskins. she's awesome. And she – but it is weird to have somebody to have to be accountable to.
9: Yeah. But
1: it's – it's, it's it helps. It's, yeah, you own it a lot more.
9: But it helps. And of course the ultimate goal I suppose is to feel um, an intrinsic
1: sense, key, huh? sense
9: of accountability.
1: And, and to feel better. Like right. if you actually would tune in and feel the change of getting healthier and stronger muscles and more flexibility and – I mean that – just the feeling should keep you going or could sure. keep you going. Sure.
9: And every once in a while, we have to, I guess, sort of fall off the rails Yeah. so that we have this experience to remind us of why we do things.
1: Yeah. I know. fell off the rails, and then the rail just kept beating me. Exactly. Beating me. <laughs> exactly. So exercise, how do we know? And this is something I ask my fitness coach. Like, How do I know? Because a lot of this is about metabolism. We've talked about that. But sure. keeping – but also – knowing what's the right rate of exercise, when you're in the right zone of exercise. Talk about what we need to know to exercise.
9: Well, th- I think the biggest key, uh, Matt, is figuring out what works best for you. You know, we've had this idea of an ex- what's called the exercise prescription model for a lot of years. You know, it came out with the American College of Sports Medicine recommendations, and it's it's the thing that everybody's heard of. You know, it is it is a prescription, you know, Uh you know for cardiovascular exercise you know a minimum of 3 times per week with your heart rate in an exercise training zone which is you know uh you know a a certain percentage of your maximum heart rate and uh you know and it has to be you know uh continuous uh activity you know uh, these kinds of things it's very prescriptive it's kind of a you know you know Figure out how to do it. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, as far as – as long as meeting those guidelines, you know, sort of a, a one-size-fits-all. I mean, it's it's very much like taking a medication. Right. You know, what what happened later was something called the Lifetime Physical Activity Model, LTPA. Um, and that was uh, based on some research that had been done starting, uh, you know, in the – you know, through, through the 1980s. A lot of uh, really cool research was coming out on the benefits, the health benefits of physical activity, and uh, the the lifetime physical activity model kind of deviated from the exercise prescription model in that uh, you know you could do things that were lifetime lifestyle related. Mm-hmm. You know, now not, that's not to say that you know if a person loves to run, you know that you know running say, in an exercise prescription uh, type of uh, format wouldn't work. That would. right? But what about people that don't like to run or don't like to bike or don't like to swim? What about people who like to garden or what about people who like to, you know, hike or, you know, these other kinds of things? Yeah. So the real key is, you know, figuring it out for yourself. You know, I mean, the exercise prescription model is kind of a do it to you.
1: Yeah, yeah. Just take this pill.
9: Yeah, the the lifetime physical activity model is you figuring out what's yeah. going to work best for you.
1: And that, the, I guess, the key is because everyone's different, and you sure. also have to be able to sustain it. Yeah, forever. Yeah. Because really, we shouldn't ever be done exercising.
9: No. No, You know you I, always
1: bring great examples of the yeah. 80-year-old, the 100-year-old, the yeah. 90-year-old.
9: Yeah, and I w- actually wanted to mention uh, something about that. Uh, you know, I've been doing a little reading and listening to some podcasts and stuff uh, from a, a man named Dan Buettner. Uh, he's like a National Geographic fellow or something like that, researcher, and he works with an actual team of researchers, too, epidemiologists and demographers and a, a group of people who study other people. Mm-hmm. And they, they've gone all around the world. Uh, looking for uh, groups of people who have longevity, you know, that, that, that have like the highest percentages of any population for centenarians, people a 100 years old and older and so forth. And then they've studied these people and they've found what they call these blue zones, uh, one right here in the United States and in, uh, in California –
1: it's a blue zone,
9: like blue-haired zone. I guess. I guess that's where suppose. they're getting yeah, the blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know exactly Neat. what where the blue w- word blue comes from or the, that specific color, but um, Okinawa, Japan, is another one. Hmm. Um, um, uh, a place in Italy, you know, in, in a Mediterranean type of a, wow. uh, of an environment, and they identify these blue zones, and and so they look for uh, you know the commonalities among these groups of people, and they're finding you know things related to diet and. Uh, and, uh, and family and social connections. Hmm. And so it's not just, you know, the physical things. There's a lot of, uh, you know, kind of the social, psychological, uh, types of things as well. But one of the things that they noted across all of these populations, uh, we're talking about the people that live the longest and maintain health. I mean, we're talking about like 90, 95, 100 year olds that are still chopping wood, (laughs) still, still riding their bicycles across town, you know, um. But one of the common things that that I think a lot of people find surprising is these people don't exercise. What? Yeah, they don't exercise. Okay. Yet, yet, they're they're very physically active.
1: So they actually incorporated activity into their life. It's not like this thing we do in addition to life. Lifetime physical activity. Love that. That's cool. Let's take a break and come back and talk about that. How do we create – And integrate physical activity more into our life. I mean, it's interesting. Instead of it being our life and then we exercise. Right. It's just part of life is the activity. More with Dr. Ron Hager, our health evangelist, up next. Stick with us. This is The Matt Townsend Show, helping you live longer. We'll be back. to the Matt Townsend Show. In studio with us is our health evangelist. Who better than Dr. Ron Hager to help us uh, learn to be healthier? Dr. Ron, you were talking about these blue, what do you call them, blue Blue, zones. Blue zones, yeah. Around the world, there's certain little pockets of people that are able to live healthy, incredible lives well into their 95, 100 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Now,
9: to be fair, a lot of this, you know, it does have to do with their diet and, and how active they are. But like I said, there's also very strong family connections, hmm. um, you know, multi generational connections, uh, either within the same home or within the same neighborhood. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and have you ever made bread? I mean, yeah. have, have you ever physically made bread yourself? Mm-hmm. It's a chore. It's a it's task. A workout. It's a workout. For example, these people, you know, make a lot of their own food like that. They'll they'll make bread, and and then they'll walk to distribute the extra loaves to their neighbors. You know, mm-hmm. so there's this sense of giving and receiving. There's yeah. this sense of physical labor. There's this sense of, uh, you know, transporting yourself via your own, uh, you know, power. You know, you're not... You're not, you know, you're not
1: getting in the car.
9: The you're going to walk. Yeah.
1: yeah. You also talked about their... Um, I don't know if we did it on the air or not. You talked about their furniture.
9: Oh, yeah. So like in, in, in Okinawa, Japan, for example, uh, particularly among the women... Uh, you know, they don't have a lot of furniture. You know, their their beds are on the floor. They When they eat, they sit on the floor to eat and yeah. this kind of thing. It's, uh, you know, a, a, an Asian kind of a cultural thing. Um, but the women make it up and down off the floor at 80, 90 years old, uh, you know, 40, 50, 60 That's times amazing. in a day. Yeah.
1: You know. like and, Think about that. Like yeah. for – think of just a regular 90-year-old person to think about getting back down on the floor – And back up once. Well, for most
9: people, you know, you start getting into your – even your 50s, your 60s, your 70s. I imagine there are people who can't remember the last time they were
1: on the floor. Mm -hmm. And imagine that would keep you limber. Sure. Healthy. I mean, it's just – there's so many – and those are subtle little things.
9: Yeah. You know, and that's really what it's about. You know, a lot of people think that, you know, getting in shape or getting fit or staying healthy has to revolve around – Something extreme, yeah. But it's really just a lot of small things uh, that you do. Now, now, how did we end up like this? Uh, we live in a a world today, especially you know in these first world, I suppose you could say, environments where our opportunities to be active have been systematically eliminated. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I just want to mention a couple ideas. This this actually comes from a a study. Hey uh, Radio,
4: thanks for listening. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Yeah. Bad.
9: I am listening. <laughs> uh, this, this actually comes from a study published in Nutrition uh, uh, in in two thousand three. They talk about uh, nutrition and diet and physical activity and uh, and even smoking and and how all of these things impact longevity, and and they give some examples. Now, now the first thing, one of the first things they they mention, uh, you know, is that this is not new. Okay, Hippocrates. Uh, you know, a, a physician and philosopher from a long time ago, yeah. you know, uh, said to keep well, avoid too much food and too little toil. Huh. You okay, know, that's a pretty simple piece of advice, right? But it's it's pretty profound it's pretty because good. because we are a society who overeats and is very sedentary. <laughs> so the exact opposite of what he recommended. Now, now I want to give you some examples. If you go back, um, you know, to the eighteen hundreds, uh, physical activity was a pretty universal thing, right? uh you know, the, the the types of labor that were required for daily subsistence. Y- you either had to do physically yourself or you had to involve, you know, beasts of burden or animals or something like that, which was also not only hard work for the animal, but pretty laborious for the you right. know the person running the animals as well. Um, but but here here are a few examples they give. Sebastian Bach, the, the musician, uh was was so fond of music that Quote, many times he walked the 30-mile distance to Hamburg to hear the greatest organist of the day. Wow. Okay, 30 miles. 30 miles. One way. So, so let's just say here we are in Provo, Utah. Let's just say there's a concert in South Salt Lake, at, uh, you know, somewhere up there. Can you imagine saying to your friends, you know, here at the radio station she or whatever? Hey, there's a concert going on tonight up in Salt Lake. I was thinking about walking up there. Anybody want to go? Amazing! No, see, that's cool. See, that doesn't even enter your right. your your, no your, way. your mind nowadays. Take the train. Uh, William Turner, uh, an artist, uh, used to cover twenty to twenty-five miles a day with his baggage at the end of a stick, sketching mm. rapidly on his way. So this is a guy, you know, the kind of the hobo, yeah, look, you know, with you, you know, you take a a cloth and tie your bag at the end, of, you yeah. know, yeah. So and then he
1: would and he would sketch,
9: yeah, twenty to twenty-five miles a day, and then Abraham Lincoln would walk 30 miles round trip to obtain a book he wanted to read. Like to go to the library. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've got a research paper. I know the library is 30 miles away, but I've got to get there because I've got to get this and done. And for
1: now, we can sit and literally just move our finger maybe three, four times, right. and you can buy the same book.
9: Right. So my point is, why did these people do these things? Yeah. Because there was no alternative. Right. We, have, we live in a world of
1: alternatives nowadays. You, oh, you never have to do so these things true. if you
9: don't want to so you have to figure out a way to get this back in your life
1: and and the passion they all, each one of these also illustrates a passion sure so maybe that's the key to to stay active is engage your passion at least part of it yeah yeah here here's
9: another quote that i really like that helps drive this point home from uh marcus um uh, a, a a roman poet uh, is it marcus aurelius yeah 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 He lived a A long time ago, uh, you know, clear back in like 100 A.D. Here's something he said. Why do strong arms fatigue themselves with frivolous dumbbells? (laughs) To dig a vineyard is worthier exercise for men. Holy cow. So we have have displaced our natural opportunities and then— We go by gym memberships, which for the most part we don't even use, so we can pump some iron.
1: Yeah. No, it's
9: so true. And and pumping iron was really never a natural thing for the human organism.
1: No, I'm installing a disposal. That takes more pumping of iron and muscle and movement and actually fulfillment.
9: But if you only do it every five years, that's probably not not going to work for you, right?
1: So you've got to find these these ways to – it's to powerful. Be active. Yeah. That's great. Doctor, we appreciate you. Dr. Ron Hager, keep up the great work. Have a happy holiday. You too. Stay away from me. I'll see you in a couple weeks. Yeah, unless I am have walking pneumonia, exercising pneumonia. Hey, uh, great insight. Take his words to heart. You can find out more about uh, Dr. Ron if you go visit the um, Department of College of Life Sciences at Brigham Young University. He's a professor of exercise sciences. We'll take a break. Come back, visit our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation in San Diego, see what they're doing down there. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to our Matt Townsend Show. Hey, one of my favorite moments when I get to shoot it down To our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation as they prep for their show at the top of the hour. Today, though, we get to throw it all the way to San Diego, where they are um, preparing for the San Diego County Credit Union Poinsettia Bowl. BYU Cougars and Wyoming Cowboys. Gentlemen, are you there?
4: Hey, we're here. Hey.
1: How are you, brethren?
4: Oh, we are fantastic. How are you doing, man? Good.
1: I've missed you so much, I can't believe it.
4: Yeah, we we missed you, too. We heard your voice, but you couldn't hear us. I
1: know, I couldn't hear you. We actually could hear you, but we were afraid uh, because you weren't hearing us. I mean, we weren't connecting. We I was afraid you were going to say something that you would regret on the air.
4: <laughs> I never have a single time. <laughs> I've never shaved my head either I, on TV. I was what? so
1: worried about you. Hey, guys, talk hey, to it's me. It's
4: like 65 degrees down here, man. <sighs>
1: You're so lucky.
4: Tell you me. You have to be that guy. What, I am that guy.
1: Ah, uh, you're and you're rubbing it in. <laughs> mm-hmm. So rude. So rude.
4: Jerem loves that guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he loves the to rub it in. Now did your families go with you guys there? Are they there or is it just your team?
4: Mine is. My it's my team. My team team family. Yeah, your team, team family. Jordan.
1: Well, that's so. So you've got family there, and it sounds like Spencer doesn't. So you're rubbing it in.
4: But I am part of Spencer's family. Oh, yeah. Jerem is sense? in a roundabout way my family yeah. down here. Yeah, it's
1: exactly. like he's you're, you're his son.
4: Well, it's more like brother. Yeah. yeah, relationship. Yeah, brother's a better relationship. It's like it's. Come on, man. Have you done anything? <laughs> have you done anything fun
1: there yet? I mean, this isn't Vegas. I know you guys are used nope, to going no to Vegas. Fun.
4: Weather's terrible, no fun. Golfing? Yes, yes, Matt. We have done fun <laughs> things. We, we rode roller coasters yesterday at SeaWorld. We saw the beluga whales, oh, the killer whales, man. the dolphins, the rays. It was fun. Yeah. San Diego Zoo. We went to Rogue One. A great time.
1: cow. And we're just here working.
5: Yeah.
4: We're working, too. Well, yeah, we're working, too, yeah. Matt. Don't yeah, you forget hey, it. We had, <laughs> we had to go to SeaWorld. And uh, do some uh, get some shots and do some interviews. Like it was, yeah. I mean, it was rough. Did we w- did we see Shamu and go on some rides after? Maybe.
1: Wow. Yeah. Well, I I, I got a it's cough. Yeah, I got a cough, and then I went to a meeting, and then I coughed through it. That's what I did.
4: <laughs> Sounds like a typical day.
1: Typical day. <laughs> BYU Radio. Hey, uh, what's coming up on your show today, gentlemen? Anything, anything that's just groundbreaking? Do you have any secrets you want to release?
4: We have a trifecta of fantastic guests. Starting with uh, BYU's quarterback Tanner Mangum. Sweet. What does he expect this time around compared to last year's bowl game against Utah? And how has the preparation been different? How will BYU avoid a thirty-five to nothing first quarter? Oh, brother! Well, don't say that. To win if they that. avoid that, right? Yeah, I'm just kidding. He said uh, he he's mentioned in the lead up here that he hasn't um, he hasn't watched that game. Hmm. Yeah. Good. I don't blame him. But but that, that's a year ago. You yeah, know what I mean? And it's, it's a different offense. Right. Old news. Think, things are different. Very so, different. So our Twitter question is, yeah, who will have a bigger impact on the game, Jamal Williams or Tanner Mangum? Mm. So we we asked Tanner Mangum that question. Mm. Yeah, we made Tanner answer that question. That's good. That'll be good. His, his answer may or may not surprise you. <laughs> Jerem channeling <laughs> his, Worst inner, ever. <laughs> his inner Spencer. <laughs> that's a good that channel a right a there. Bad tease, man. What, oh, uh, bad, bad yeah. in, the, in the spirit of Ron Burgundy in San Diego.
1: Ron Burgundy. Yeah. Hey, um, what, anything yeah. else on the show? You, I know you locked and loaded. You got more than one oh. interview.
4: Head coach Kalani Satake. Yeah, the head coach is also with us today, Jeez, Matt. Jeez Kalani, Fifita, Sitake, Fulamatu Fala. Man. Uh, plus uh, Butch Pau, the hard-hitting sophomore linebacker from Anaheim. Yeah, he'll, they'll all join us. From the Manchester Grand Hyatt, San Diego, in the San Diego Harbor, on the water, with yeah. all the boats behind we us. We can see Coronado behind us. Oh, I, I love San Diego.
1: I love you guys, and I love Skipper San Diego. The Germans. It's, it's like the perfect combination. Yeah. Are you
4: getting emotional, or is that cough? No, that was it was
1: it was a cough, but it was also emotion. I'm crying.
4: It was an emotional cough.
1: Uh-huh. Hey, really quickly, did you when guys... I get
4: really emotional? I just thought... I'd... I just start. Coughing.
1: You start hacking. Did you hear the NFL is going to expand <laughs> access to the combine, and they're going,
4: to, they will allow. Yeah, this some is fans good for Spencer. In. Yeah, yeah, this is great for Spencer. It's four nine forty. I can, can, be on I can run my four nine nine forty. Uh, let's Maybe do it. Maybe on NFL Network. We'll on see. NFL Network.
1: Oh, that would be great.
4: Your yeah.
1: your cute <laughs> little white, white, legs white legs just <laughs> shaking.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, this is good. Are you going to do it?
4: White legs on. Fly into uh, Indianapolis to cover the BYU Cougars, and while I'm there, get an official time on my forty. That would be that would be amazing. That'd be right? really fun. That would be amazing.
1: That would be great video. But you we couldn't need to use do that
4: except I need to go with you. Yeah. Oh, that should be our next trip. Let me right? go with you. The I'll combine. hold your Nine towel. From the combine. That would be awesome. But I'll really be on would. a combine like on a farm. I'll like, oh, run <laughs> combine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You'll
4: be on a real combine.
1: Hey. um... Mm-hmm. Okay, so what I I just need to know what I should be doing for the big game? How should I watch it from here?
4: You should turn on ESPN. Okay, but before that, approximately at, at, at eight, eight Eastern, six Mountain, you should watch countdown to kickoff Wednesday. Yes. Well, well, here here's the thing: we'll be live Wednesday from Qualcomm Stadium at noon Eastern our regular time, six Eastern during our normal rebroadcast time right. on TV. Okay. Then, uh, then countdown to kickoffs at 8 Eastern, the pregame show, featuring Spencer Linton, David Nixon in San Diego, plus Dave, Blaine, Brian, and Provo. And then uh, the postgame show. We'll have interviews, reaction, highlights. So we've got oh, four different shows on BYU totally. TV, yeah. BYU Radio, coming up on Thursday. Sorry, Wednesday. And then Thursday, uh, Jason Shepard and Blaine Fowler from Provo on BYU Sports Nation with coverage after the game that we'll uh, send back. Mm. Okay. Did you get all that? I
1: did. By the too way, much? Too, too I, much. somewhere during one of those shows, I would think you could drop my name or a little shout out or something. Just something. Just a little something.
4: Yeah, we may yeah, or may not okay. do that. We may or may not do that. And the answer may surprise you.
1: <laughs> you always say may or may not, but let's just. <laughs> it's a, I know.
4: It's a bad tease. I'm mocking that idea.
1: Let's just may it happen. Let's just make it happen. Not to get all motivational on you. Okay, guys. Yes. It sounds like awesome time. Have a great show. Pick me up a Shamu t-shirt. Okay. Peace we out. May,
4: we may or may not do we that, We may or too. may not, because we already went there and we didn't do it. Oh, uh, yeah. Of
1: course. You may or may not. Well, we may or may not be here today, or when you guys get back. We may or may not. i not going to say.
4: Okay. Gosh.
1: Fair, fair enough. Top of the morning. Have a great show, guys. Knock them dead in just a few minutes. Thanks, Matt. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Okay. Um, boy. They... Again, not to – but they get to travel. They get to go to San Diego. They get to go to Vegas. I asked Don if we could travel somewhere and he's like, sure. Just not the show.
3: Or you can pay for it yourselves. Yeah. I think Don would let us go anywhere we want to go if we'd pay for it He's strings. letting me go home today after work? He is? Mm-hmm. How would you get that? I had to pull some strings.
1: Wow. I think he's lightening up. Actually, Don's never been uptight. Um, here's the deal: Have you ever have you ever heard the bells on Christmas
3: day? I heard them on once. Yeah. Um, well, if you if you
1: listen carefully in Florida, you can hear residents chasing thieves with metal pipes. Sounds a lot like the bells on Christmas Day. Two Florida men are spending the holidays in jail thanks to observant neighbors who spotted them. This is what it sounds like to have a pipe just going around
3: your rib cage. Uh Well, they were singing this song as they were chasing him yeah. with the pipe.
1: These observant neighbors spotted uh, some men taking gifts from a nearby home and another homeowner who chased them with a metal pipe. Polk County Sheriff's Department announced that a resident heard a loud noise Wednesday morning, called another neighbor who looked outside and they saw the man taking the gifts. And bada boom, bada bing, they started yelling and chasing the na- these, uh, these criminals away. Police and sheriff's deputies tracked them down. They bailed from a car and ran into a home, but then the homeowner chased them out with a metal pipe.
3: You know, we didn't have time for it, but when we were giving our caroling tips earlier, I was also going to say make sure you wield a pipe.
1: Always wield a pipe. That's great advice. But you mean like a piper's pipe? No. Like like a lead pipe. Like a lead pipe? Mm -hmm. That sounds violent. Hey, as you know, we always like to end the show with a hero story to help you see that there is good in the world. Um, a lot of times all you hear in the news stories are the are the you know the hard ones but the, and the difficult stories but there's good people out there as well. Secret Santa pays off overdue lunch balances for kids in pennsylvania 's elementary school, and another one we talked about that last week, another one is a Secret Santa pays off forty six thousand dollars in layaway at a Pennsylvania Walmart. When Ryan Kennedy, Walmart store manager in Everett, Pennsylvania, answered the phone call from an anonymous Santa last week, he didn't quite know what to expect, but this guy wanted to pay off layaway items for people, up to $45,000. It was complete disbelief, Kennedy told CNN. It was definitely a great gesture. I was completely shocked. Santa told Kennedy that he would pay off all of the layaway items that were currently on hold. And it totaled $46,265. Powerful. Um, some of the people that, uh, the customers that had stuff on layaway, once said, Well, my daughter played the message before I got home when I found out that all my stuff had been paid for. You're going to want to hear that message for yourself, the child said. So the mom went and listened to the message and uh, changed her Christmas. How powerful would that be to just know your bills are taken care of by some stranger you didn't even know? That is the true spirit of Christmas. That's the hero that we all could be and that's the great spirit I think of giving and serving that is so possible at this time of season, uh, this time of year. So a challenge to everybody get out there. you don't have to spend money. you could just help somebody get their you know get their groceries or do some service, maybe shovel someone's walks, take care of people. Tis the season, but also it is the right thing to do. And so we challenge you on the show. To go be a hero for someone else. Sometimes it just means giving your time, your attention, and your focus. We'll be back tomorrow, folks, to keep the spirit alive. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You can look us up on iTunes, on TuneIn, on Stitcher. Plus, check us out at byuradio.org. Until tomorrow, make it a great one. We'll talk again tomorrow.